A word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. That would be through chapter 66 of Brandon Sanderson's The Lost Metal. I'm not I'm not fucking with it this time. I'm not I'm not I'm not doing it. I, you're you're waiting for me to fuck with it. <laughs> Hey there, this is Cross. And I'm PJ. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. I am very aerodynamic today because (laughs) I (laughs) yesterday was trimming up my beard before going out and uh, fucked up. I, I, I clipped myself and then there was no fixing it. So I just shaved everything. Oh no! So I am I am smooth and fast, smooth, fast, and pure. <laughs> yes, I, I genuinely I cannot remember the last time I saw you without facial hair. It's been I a long time. It, I think it did happen during Tales of Kana at one mm. point because I think I think so because I remember yeah. everyone being like whoa or like Mathar maybe being like whoa PJ's <laughs> clean like baby. <laughs> So, I'm not wearing my glasses like today, so I, I just look yeah. really off. You look straight out of high school. Like <laughs> That's true. High school PJ. There's anything wrong with it. I mean, you had more hair in high school, so there's that. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, you choose to shave. I'm not saying you're going bald, but. Mm-hmm. Yet. It, it'll happen. I mean, it comes for us all, right? Like, mm-hmm. one way or another. My family, I mean, particularly so. Yeah, your family has a particularly bad. My dad still has a good head of hair, as does, as did my my grandfather on my mother's side. So mm-hmm. I should be okay. Yeah. Doing, doing fine right now. We'll see. You're doing okay. I'm doing okay. Got to keep that worth. emo hair. Could be worse. I do. I got to keep it going. Otherwise, I lose like all of my credibility. Like <laughs> Most of your personality. <laughs> Most, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. you're right today is our sixth episode discussing the lost metal by brandon sanderson we're going to chat about chapters 58 through 66 but before we get too much further pj this is our penultimate episode for this book a which is interesting we'll, we'll talk about that maybe in a moment but we should talk about what we're drinking what are we having on this fine sunday night so i taking inspiration from you from last week did just a standard jungle bird uh so that is two ounces of pineapple juice I always double the lime, I think, as I've talked about before. So one ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, three quarters of an ounce of Campari, and one and a half ounces of rum. I, I've got Mount Gay XO. It's a Barbados mm-hmm. rum, but play around with it. Whatever, whatever. It, it, the recipe specifically calls for black blended rum, but I do not have any. So... It's delicious. I I really do think that adding that extra lime juice really just touches it in the right direction for me. But yeah, I've talked about jungle birds before. They're delicious. You should drink them to follow that up with my back half beer. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, what's really fun. I am drinking the same thing that I had last week, which is basically a jungle bird with green chartreuse and lemon instead. So your recipe works for me. Just swap the lemon out and the, of course, the Campari for green chartreuse and maraschino. Yeah. So. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. I have a really fucking weird beer. 
like is really off the off the walls strange it is <laughs> referred to as a fruit pizza sour interesting it is called please accept our sacrifice of fruit pizza hmm i don't know if that's talking okay. about like gummy like like those gummy like cheeseburgers and pizzas and stuff that you could get at like novelty candy stores and stuff i don't i don't know but the so, flavors involved are strawberry, blueberry, kiwi, orange, cream cheese, frosting, and sugar cookies. So that is that is a really great and helpful definition because that actually does make it fruit pizza the food, the dessert, which is a thing. So basically okay. what fruit pizza is, is it's a bunch of fresh fruit on top of like on top of a crust of some kind, and then cream cheese is kind of the like in between the fruit gotcha a lot to simulate pizza basically so okay i'm learning that's the idea interesting um, i loved your pitch though on it being the gummy thing because i thought that too until you said the cream cheese and then i was like i bet it's actual fruit pizza that they're imitating so okay. that makes sense okay yeah yeah you can definitely taste the cream cheese flavor in here <laughs> that hurts <laughs> not <laughs> i don't like it not in a bad way if that makes sense like when you smelled cream cheese frosting, how you can like tell that it's cream cheese frosting, you know, like it's not like it smells like cream cheese, like you'd put on a bagel, but like that hint of cream, like sweet cream cheese. It's, it's feels way more disgusting to describe it like this than it tastes, but it actually tastes oddly pretty good. There is not a fucking hint of anything sour in this. Like it is not, sour at all it tastes like fruit punch it tastes like a tiki drink in like the most abstract way it's super Mm. weird or not not a tiki drink like it tastes like a like a fruity cocktail okay in a very odd way but i love i love sours that are actually super super sour so it's Mm kind of disappointing that there's nothing tart to it but still right i kind of like it it's goofy the the can art, it's hilarious. The names, obviously, mm-hmm. off the Amazing. wall. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I know who it's from, but for everyone oh, else, it's, I don't uh, think said. Drecker Brewing Company out of Fargo, North Dakota. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I love Drecker. For those of you of whom live in a state in which they can mail you beer through one of the subscription services, Drecker is on most of them. I think Tavor and the other big one. Mm-hmm. And so order some Drecker. They're great. If you haven't tried them, I would highly recommend. I think I don't... What's so crazy, I don't think I've ever been like super disappointed in a Drecker beer because they're always there's like a pretty good bottom layer level of consistency. There Mm. are some that are much better than others, though. That's fair. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But generally, like they're sours, like they're not typically super, super sour, but they are knockout Mm -hmm. like fruited beers. Um, right. They've got some of the best fruited sours I've ever had yeah. for sure. You do have yeah. to be careful with those shipping services when you're dealing with those yeah. beers, because if it gets too warm, they will start to re-ferment and like happened to Crossland when I shipped him some beer. No, I didn't. If you're, if you're a postal person, I didn't mail him alcohol. That wasn't true. But when I shipped him beer, <laughs> it exploded on his porch. Because it re-fermented and, and the pressure got to it. So, got to be careful with that. But, in general, yes, absolutely. Check that out. The The shipping services, I think they usually ship them in like a like a refrigerator. They, they, they'll have like a, 
an insulated sort of refrigerated shipping thing like a lot of those like meal delivery services do. So should be okay. But I just right. put them in a bunch of socks and shipped them to Crossland. <laughs> that yeah. didn't work that well. <laughs> it worked. I mean, it, it really worked. The 10 beers worked. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. Mm-hmm. And the box was like, it, what was what was so crazy about it too is like the box was so, so great in condition. I'm assuming until that moment because it had to have popped while it was on in the storage, I assume, because there's no way they would have brought it if it was like dripping wet, I assume. So I think it happened when it was in the Amazon container. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So. Probably. Cool. All right. Well, that's what we're drinking. So very excited. But PJ, I I want to add a little something to this game. So before we talk about the chapters, I do want to talk about how you're feeling with this week's reading. But I, I want to mention here at the very top of talking about this book, there's a lot of reflection on Era 1 in particular in this section. Like it's almost a focal point of like bringing up all these comparisons between Era 1 highlight moments and what's going on right now. To the point of where I feel like it's overly heavy handed. I actually kind of I don't like it. I think it's kind of cheesy and cheap in the ways in most of the ways it's done. Not all. I'll get to right. the ones that I like versus the ones that I dislike. But I do want to add a little rule and stipulation for our our thing. And we haven't done something like this in a long time. So it'll be fun. But I think we're going to add a drink each time Arrow One is brought up <laughs> this episode. If you're down, down. it's going to happen. Now, what, what my question kind of- is, is it textual or is it anytime we bring up Arrow One? I think it's when we bring up Arrow One. Okay. Because there's a lot more that I want to talk about. Yeah. That So I guess the question is, how heavy of a drink? Do we get a separate drink for it of like a pour of, of spirits? Maybe. Do I, don't have, I don't have a beer, so I'm just going to drink this guy. And maybe when we're out, we'll like reload with an old fashioned or something like that if we need okay. to. Or okay. beer, whatever. Whatever's reasonable. You know, don't you don't have to go. Do which do whatever you like. I don't I don't know if it needs to be separate or not, but Fair maybe enough. maybe it makes sense for it to be separate actually. Now that you say that because then we won't just burn through what we have and like die. Yeah. <laughs> I might I might just go pour myself some, some whiskey. <laughs> I don't think mellow corn. I've got some good whiskey. I've got some good whiskey I want to sip on. Cool. So before we before we pour that, let's talk about the reflection on Era One just to start with, and just to kind of get this out of the way. That way we can you know make the rest of drinking game as we kind of go through it. But what what do you make of all the reflection? What do you make of the reading this week for the record? And then also kind of pintailing that with thoughts on reflection on Era One. I felt like this week was. I mean, it was so many like so many resolutions without really being resolved. Like it's the climaxes. This is climax the episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically. basically. Because we cut everything off right before like there's any resolution to it. But it it it's also I think a great take on redemption that is a little bit counter to what we've talked about as far as our perception of Brandon's feelings on redemption. It it felt like that got circumvented or overcome a little bit, which felt really good. I definitely want to talk about that, and there will be a whole conversation in here. It's the first thing in this chapter, yeah. basically, to talk about. But I do agree with you, and I definitely want to circle around on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is It is climax, the section. And that to say that we still have next week. Like, we still have another week. And can you imagine? Like, we're not done. 
and like all of this shit's happened we still have to go deal with other shit yet what the fuck <laughs> yep. as all of these come like basically rolling over the finish line you know it's three different resolutions basically at least that we're talking about mm-hmm. as we think about it so i do want to bring up you know did you talking about the reflection on error one i feel like it's a little cheap i feel like it's kind of playing on our emotions that were built up in the previous books and our reaction to them and kind of like as opposed to eliciting an emotion or a feeling to bring these things back up and then use them as comparison points to what people are going through feels a little a little cheap especially with the frequency in which it happens i think that's my issue as opposed to it just being a parallel that could have existed on its own you know the the solution for mercy being to think like ellen and burn all the the power out in the yeah. same way specifically and like bringing up that it was just like the last emperor and then also with wayne being like i wish we could have gone through the window like vin and like There are all of these different moments, and I don't think that that lands for me almost at all. It's my maybe my biggest criticism of the the prose or writing of any of this is it feels almost fanficy, and that is I can see that, and I would um, and I agree, but I I am going to be step back a little bit and be a little bit cautious about it because does it feel that way and does it feel so heavy-handed because of the way we approach this story and section it off and like hyper focus on no i felt that way when i read it the this, first time oh, okay, okay, <laughs> I'm, not, okay. I'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie Fair enough. i felt that way when i got to this part i was like why are we do like the mm-hmm. one that feels really great of them all like most of them are okay most they're like why like it would be fine if it were one or two but the fact that it happens so frequently but the one that actually rules is the image of harmony that that of Sazed that harmony gives to wax that one is amazing and like that hits in the way that it should because it's not trying to tell us precisely what something is it gives us a, a comparison that we kind of work out we're being shown not told and as is wax okay so how do you feel about the ones that aren't explicitly said but are very clearly evocative i'm okay with like, i'm okay like, with it being like, evocative well, so so I guess that's my point is that there are so many that yeah. are explicitly said that mm-hmm. I feel like it it puts you in the mindset to really dial into these other ones that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Like I think my whole example, thing is dialing into that though. Like I know, that's I, that's my I, whole vibe. I agree. I agree. But yeah. I'm I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I'm trying to like Yeah, I understand. Like the one for me that I really liked is the death incarnate scene and how oh. that feels so so similar to the vin and zane raid mm-hmm. on on sets stronghold like yeah that that felt really good mm-hmm. and i'm curious like i i'm really curious if i would have cued into it as much as i did i probably would have i think you would have i think I, that's I the thing that's have. why it feels weird is because it's like it is to me it is like literally clinically show don't tell and we were told and then shown and that's why i feel really weird about it is like if you would have just shown i would have drawn the connection between marisi and ellen like immediately because it is but, very similar and that's okay. okay like it's good for the it, it it it's like removing some dramatic irony payoff right so the payoff of like being like oh this is reminiscent as opposed to being like told the mystery or like told the thing versus discovering it completely different yeah that one specifically i wonder how how could she have known to do that if not 
for directly like referencing the historical text, you know, like that, that's the one where it's like, all right, what do you do here? And they have to draw off of the historical like myth. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can, I can see that one. Here's the thing. I can make a case for one of these. I can't make a case for all of them. That's, yeah, that's the problem is that it's it's like I think you can reasonably draw one of the connections to your point to like get your brain going on one of these things to draw that connection with one and then to get everyone's head like really spinning about thinking about era one from a meta text from a from a like this is how we create it perspective. So, mm. yeah, I, I guess that's that's kind of my thing that kind of bogs me down a little bit with it is that it's not it's not the end all be all though for the record i i still really like it all it was it's just like the biggest nitpick that i had if i were the editor in in this circumstance i feel like i would have been like we got to figure out a a slightly less heavy-handed way to do this because this feels like it came out of a teenage kid who wants you to feel those things but doesn't know how to make you feel them right Except for he does. That's the other problem is that, that he does because he does it in a couple of other spaces. So it's like it's a it's a weird conflict that I have with it. And by no means am I trying to belittle Brandon Sanderson. I'm just using a comparison of like I think that middle schoolers do this in, in writing when you're like trying to figure it out. And sometimes that's like a draft. And also the other side of this is that this book in this series is a little YA adjacent. Like all of Mistborn is a little, you can construe parts of it as YA adjacent. This book is much more raunchy than the previous couple of books in the series, but I think you can make the case that this is still accessible for kids. So Mm -hmm. if, if you're handing this to a teenager, I wouldn't have a problem with a teenager reading this or anything like that, but I can see leaving those seeds for other people. If it's not, you know, a mature leaning piece of fiction does that make sense yeah yeah that's fair yeah so that's my own devil's advocate defense for (laughs) why why you would leave those in but neither here nor there not the biggest deal in the world but something that i wanted to mention at the top especially if we're going to cut out talking about era one now we're going to cut out because i have it written in the script a couple of times or the notes it's not a script but i have it written in the notes a couple of times as points because it's brought up so you know Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about it all right with that let's get into did you have anything else no. So before we go into the chapters, I know we just said that we were going to do that, but we did go and pour ourselves the thing that we're going to be drinking. So, PJ, what are you having for your Arrow One sipper? I have Noble Oak Double Oaked Rye. Mm. So just nice. A, a nice little finger and a half of that. Yeah. I am having... I decided on doing something a little nutty since it's the nutty episode in this way that we're adding this. I poured out of my infinity bottle. I almost did that. I almost did that. Mm -hmm. I poured two ounces. So yeah, that's, that's about that. I didn't, the thing is, is like, it's close to full with all of the various whiskeys and like adding stuff from it. So it wasn't quite there because you don't want to technically, like you don't want to start drinking it until it's all full and then you start downing Mm -hmm. it and then you add more and whatever else, but it was almost there. So I was like, you know what? We'll just go for it because that's fun for this episode. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's good. Infinity (laughs) bottles are so much fun. Yeah. Ooh, that is hotter than I thought it would be. Oh, that's a wild kick. Okay, interesting. Fun, fun, fun. All right, let's get started with this episode. So breaking it down, getting into chapter 58 here, we start off with bottle caps. (laughs) Like we had made mention of last week, I had totally blanked 
that this happened this way. It's one of those small details that like you don't you don't think about. But I'm so glad that we put so much focus on how cool and natural it would be to like spin off a bottle cap, and then literally it happens in the next chapter. It, it happens like, in the next fucking sentence. Right. Yeah, literally, it's it's week to week we ended. Fair point. Fair fucking point. But I, I love that. But uh, starting starting off the show, we get a drink while Wayne stores up some of the health and shares his beer with wax while well, they share a beer, rather. And they spend it reminiscing on the good old days, as it were. And they have a frankly somber conversation about what Wayne is worth as he has deemed himself useless. And there is a really well done bit here about the difference between forgiveness and fundamentally changing who you are. That I think is really well done, actually. You'd, you'd expect, given my like penchant for uh, tearing into this ideology a bit previously, I think even in my first read, I didn't, I didn't love it, that I'd have a bigger gripe. But I, I think that ultimately Wax is very right here. I think that there's an important line that this doesn't really... This meshes very well with kind of what Brandon said before, is that like... You know, forgiveness is is a thing that's I he he hasn't really talked about forgiveness, but he talked about redemption, and that's those are different things. So I I really like this. I think that he's right. You don't necessarily need to earn forgiveness. You only earn it if the other person is willing to give it in the first place. And at this point, you know, the daughter isn't willing. Durkle's daughter isn't willing to give it and isn't doesn't forgive him for what's done and may never. Well, I believe that like fundamentally, I think that Brandon does hold that belief that like true forgiveness is not real in that way. I don't think that that impacts here. And I, I, I do want to like not necessarily correct you, but push on you a little bit. He specifically like there is a distinction made between forgiveness and redemption. And he he doesn't seem to based on based on what I've picked up from what you've shared with me. Mm-hmm. Um, his issue seems to be with redemption as opposed to forgiveness. In those moments, yeah. After and then, an, this after feels an like a shift act. from that. This feels like a like a either overcoming that thought process or changing that that thought process or or something. There is the thing that potentially he gets to hide behind, saying that like it's not the same person. Effectively, that's interesting. I I don't I don't want to try to get into that weeds too much because I I don't think that that applies as much. But I do think that the the one thing that stands out to me like a he doesn't even call this redemption he calls it change which is fascinating he doesn't try to make it about redemption necessarily because i think he's equating that to something else potentially or like leaving that on the table but the other part of this that i wouldn't ascribe to brandon's philosophy is that i would ascribe it to waxes so like Mm -hmm. brandon may not agree with waxes perception on We'll call it redemption on change this way, but Wax does. Wax fundamentally believes in it and believes in that ability for his friend to change. And so, like, he espouses it. And so, Brandon may not, but the character does. Yeah. I mean, how, however it goes in reality, I don't yeah. really care. I felt like this was a right. great, a great yeah. conversation and I agreed with it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that the one thing, the only thing that doesn't jive with me is that I believe Wax says that like you can't earn forgiveness. And I think you you can earn forgiveness as long as someone is willing to give it. Like it's still there's there's no amount of acts that you can do that will just suddenly suddenly manifest forgiveness by any means. Like that's definitely I agree with Wax on that. But I think on the front of being forgiven, it is ultimately always in the other party's power, the offended party's power to forgive. And some people that is like earning it in in a lot of ways. It can be, you know, making mm-hmm. up for it in any number of ways, like showing up a bunch to things when you relate to things, you know, like there's all that's a stupid example. But point being. Yeah. 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 
I think absolutes around something like that are a little silly, which is also the reason that I push back against Brandon's <laughs> personal take on that, that absolute. But it's all good. I really like the scene, though. I, I think that it works. And I think originally I actually didn't like it the first time that I heard it. And then I get I've had time. It's a little bit of separation, not a whole lot, but a little bit. And then reapproaching it. I was like, you know what? I think that this works better than I thought it did. So, yeah. Yeah, I felt I like I'm it worked really well. Wayne's a good man. I mean, as he as he's told, and you kind of you kind of see how this conversation like goes on. He, they keep bringing up examples from the past, talking about how Wax admires Wayne burning down a school in their past, and how much he does care about the daughter of Durkle all these years later, and how he really didn't intend for that to be a cruelty to show up weekly. It was more his own flagellation, but he hadn't even thought about it. And he's he's finally kind of okay with all of this he can finally let that go between his body and his mind as he says his body has moved on but his mind hasn't and so it's nice to see this kind of whole person be allowed to be united again right totally i just made that one flow really naturally from point no no to point, no no, so no you're good I, you're good sorry sorry i i think what i appreciate the most about this sort of section or the this topic is that we saw that physical change before we saw the like mental one expressed explicitly. We, we saw him be able to use guns and start to like really sort of act the part before he realized that he's forget forgiven himself and he's moved on himself. His, his wound has healed as wax mentions. I, I, I liked that. That was, the progression of it, the the physicality before the mental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I also appreciate that. It's like he failed to recognize it. It's it's also so interesting because I think that it's not. No, it is. It is in this chapter. For some reason, I thought it was in a later one that like he is coming to the terms with the fact, too, that like despite inhabiting all of these different people, wearing all these different hats, becoming these things that he's still like fundamentally misses the point of a lot of people and i i find that fascinating in conjunction with like his body and mind being also kind of separated in that way in the way that they react to things like because he's worn all these hats that's part of the fragmentation i'm sure and part of the reason that it's buried and he didn't recognize that he was able to move on or willing to you know there's there's a lot there Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's pretty good this chapter is heavy but i think i think it's nice to intro here and then outro when we do so yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, get a little bit of introspection before all of the action. A break, as it were, that we had last week. So, I also love that we get to spend the time to inspect this package from Steris as well, and that Wayne really does make it a point that he's come around to her in general. But he says something that I find fascinating shortly after giving this love to Steris. I was talking about this a little bit ago. I'm wrong with people a lot. Maybe even, I'm wrong about people a lot. Maybe even myself. This is just so fascinating because he is built so strangely around all these people and like this sort of recognition of like what people are and who they are. But to be so fundamentally off in theory is just so interesting as an artifice for a character of whom is nothing but, you know, kind of a blank slate to be written upon or treats himself almost like a blank slate to be written upon. So my my takeaway on this first, first of all, yes, great. I'd like perfect perfect thing to dig in on um but my takeaway on that is that like the way you present yourself and the way that you are outwardly 
the way you outwardly show who you are doesn't necessarily reflect who you are truly. Like Mm -hmm. Wayne can perfectly imitate how somebody outwardly presents themselves to the point where he can be mistaken for them. But that doesn't mean he gets them. It It doesn't mean that he knows them inside and out. He just knows them out. Right. Yeah. He's not able to get into their heads. He just gets their skin. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's the biggest organ, you know, like (laughs) it's important. Motherfucker. I mean, sure. (laughs) All right. I I love that after all of this too, all of this wonderful conversation that happens around this, I find, I do find it interesting that like not a whole lot of time is spent on that idea. It's just kind of brought up in this way. And so that's why I really enjoy digging in on it because it is like, man, it it is like the meaty bit of Wayne at this point. And this we've we've reflected on it a couple of times. This is kind of Wayne's book from the feeling from the outset. It's it's all three of their books. It's their send off in, in a big way. But, you know, it, it does feel more like Wayne's book than Wax's book. So it's almost strange that I think that we don't get more reflection on this from his perspective. But eh, right. neither here nor there. We can still talk about it. And that's great. So, hey. I don't know why I just sipped my whiskey, but I did. Oh, I know why, because we're about to talk about the Shaw. (laughs) I love that after all of this, we get the callback to the story in the prologue and how they've now arrived at the Mesa. And of course, the Shaw is back in a new form as a towering skyscraper. I do find it interesting and like also so boldly ignorant to harken back to something that was evocative of slavery of this last generation to like kind of make it this this whole thing. But then again, that is kind of what autonomy is about and what what they would be doing is sort of this. I mean, people are really great at imitating, right? So like, that's kind of the, the whole thing is we, we imitate what we know. That's okay. But she's also like bold enough to kind of be hypocritical (laughs) in this whole thing. So yeah, I don't know. What'd you, what'd you make of the, the bring the return of the Shaw as it were? I I mean, it's been 300 years, right? Mm -hmm. More or less 300 years ago, there was, there are there are statues of people mm-hmm. from 300 years ago that are still erected in this country today that stand for a horrible, despicable things. So I don't think it's that far off that, that this could conceivably happen on that world. Definitely, definitely not. You're you're <laughs> right that that is that is valid. <laughs> but yeah, you already took your drink. But here, oh yeah. Yeah, I I just I find it interesting. And I mean, like the Shaw itself looks really cool on the outset, like as like this depicted skyscraper. And I get it, especially because it is evocative of that same imagery. This is one that I don't think is cheap. Like this is fine. Again, like this is a great example of what we were talking about at the beginning. A okay, no problem with this. Totally makes sense. I mean, because it's it's drawing upon the building itself. It's not drawing Mm -hmm. upon a very specific part of the story and referencing it. As it's mm-hmm. happening. Like, the, those right. are two different things, I'd say. Yeah. I would agree with that. There, There is a part of me, though, because there's that line later that happens with Marisi and Entrone when they're in the basement about, like, why they brought the portal for autonomy there or the item for autonomy that I can't help but wonder if this is the actual, like, original location of where Kredik Shaw was and therefore where the portal was. And so that's part of the reason that like all of this lines up, not that it is where the well of ascension is, but 
I feel like there's something kind of saucy being played around with in the background here. It could just be the concentration of all the Alamancers, but I don't know about that. That sounds, that feels fucky. That feels really weird. Does it? Oh, just the, oh, I thought you said, I thought you were saying my theory feels fucky. That as an explanation of like having just a concentration of Alamancers there. Oh yeah, yeah. That right. that feels weird. I I don't like mm-hmm. that. It's so. a concentration of investiture or invested entities. I mean, I I can understand, but like I don't know that I like it is as that an explanation. Enough? I maybe 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 that's the reality is that it it could be enough. But you would you would think that it would also be them like burning their powers, right, or using their powers to like make it a a component of it, so that it would be mm-hmm. it more heavily. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It feels it feels a little fucky. I think I could be okay with it with a little bit of explanation, but I prefer this this headcanon idea of like, what if this is where that was? What if this is where Critic Shaw really was? And it isn't just evocative. It's kind of literal, especially given the importance era one and all of the rest of that. It being a hub of power. It's it's clearly evocative of power, which is why they're imitating it every time Crossland says evocative. God damn it. I'm going to say evocative <laughs> so much in this episode because it is very reminiscent of <laughs> Oh, Uh-oh. What do you make of the Mesa comparison, though? Again, hearkening back to the story from the prologue and the the idea of like the blatant Mesa being like the Mesa is the guy blatant Barnes or, you know, what would you? So I, I want something more concrete there. I think mm-hmm. we have the sort of idea of the ash falls as as kind of an mm-hmm. in, environmental danger. Sure. But but I I don't feel like we have enough there other than like the people themselves, which is sure. what wax is kind of getting at. Mm-hmm. Um I don't love that. I don't know. I can see it. I get it. I want more. I want something more concrete before really taking a stance on it, I guess. Sure. That I mean, that makes sense. I'm you know, again, I I don't know if they're I'm not sure if it's something that we'll ever get something very concrete on, but as it is, you know. Mhm. That's fair. I mean, we've got one more, you know, week, but Fair and enough. then 600 more years or something. Yeah, depending on how long it takes to go to the next era, right? Part of me part of me genuinely, we're not at the end yet. I'm not going to open up that can of worms. Not that it's that big of a deal, but at the very least, you know, it, being at the conclusion is a good way to start talking about the future. <laughs> so yeah, fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll just wait for that. But we are also introduced to the big gun. And I got to say, like, I remember at Dragonsteel when we were walking around, when we were in line, we were in separate lines for a while because I was in the VIP line. You were in the standard line. And we both made it around to seeing, like, the depiction of wax and this giant cardboard cutout that you're, like, meant to pose with. And I think you had texted me, like, is that vindication? And I was like, I guess. Like, I don't know. What else? What the fuck else could it be? And I was like, because everything was very cartoonish in the style and, like, I liked the look and the aesthetic that they were going for, but I was like, that's a cartoonishly big gun. Um, yep. And mm. well, it turns out there was a fucking reason for that. <laughs> it's a fucking big gun. I, I remember we were just so critical of that image. I got the stickers here. So I'm showing PJ the thing. I'll probably, I'll post a, a link at the very least in our description so that you can go check out what I'm talking about or tweet it and put it on Instagram, whatever. I was, I was so relieved <laughs> 
when I found out about the big gun. It's like, okay, so it's not quite as cartoonish as I thought it was. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about it. It's comically but, big. but It's comically big, but also still one-handed, apparently, by that sketch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, man, he's got some forearms, dude. Yeah. How That's hard do you point. think he could jack it? For, for the record, there's a stock on it, so it is. It looks is there, like it is technically a two hand. Yeah, there's a stock on the back. It kind of looks like a one hander, but it does have a little, oh, little stock I see on the that bottom. Now. Okay, yeah. okay. It blends in with his coat, so I don't blame yep. you. Now I see it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see it at first, and I was like, "Oh my god, I think you're right." And then I saw it, and I was like, "Oh no, never mind." It does have a rifle stock at the very least. He, I mean, stock or no stock, wax jacks it. <laughs> <laughs> there is the question. All right, all right. Again, we're going into Mistborn after dark. <laughs> being being a coin shot, do you think there's like a gear system and like a mechanical cock ring that he can like manipulate with his steel pushing? Okay. <laughs> that like a mechanical lie, vibrating cock ring. That is pretty much where I was going. I was thinking about piercings <laughs> and like <laughs> <laughs> So we'll just we'll let the mind wander with that after the cock ring because the cock ring was enough. <laughs> oh my god. So out of left field. Um the final notes of this chapter after the cock ring commentary before I, they don't talk about cock rings, of course not. Again, adjacent to YA here. If they did probably anyway i'm so so sorry if you're playing this out of an alexa with anyone else who doesn't know what we're talking about nearby i yep i'm not sorry i'm not sorry you, yeah we warned you <laughs> yeah we did at the very top of the episode we do give you a warning every time we love you dearly and i didn't uh, even like obfuscate that warning this time <laughs> Okay, so the final notes of this chapter before they take off are again somber ones. We reflect on Wayne being the one who finally broke Wax out of his trance and being this great friend after the death of Lessie and Alloy of Law. And now ever since Wayne reattached Wax, it's also been like his entire life has been about how this one murder defines him at the same time as he's just murdered a lot of people over the course of the story (laughs) so there's there's this interesting dichotomy of thoughts there within wayne internally thinking about that but then also the fact that wax doesn't believe that he would have made it here without wayne so what what do you make of the the way that this wraps i mean it's fucking heavy of course but at the same time there there are some comments throughout this section that make me feel like Wayne is also not quite as directly, but also like a a minor sort of harmony to a certain degree. Like he gets those vials of metals just like Wax had. I believe one of which had a red cap similar to what Wax had in that pack from Steris. Oh, yeah. The, the red cap one. Yep. Yeah. So like... Yep. He's also getting imbued with shit from Harmony somehow. Okay. Like, it feels like he's transcended similar to Wax beyond just a person doing extraordinary work. Like, it feels like he's being pulled into this fold of the hand of God to a certain degree. Yeah, kind of like he's a shield or something else, right? Doesn't he say that later? He does say that. Yeah. Yeah, if if Wax is the sword, he's the shield. I think that's when he saves the 
the people right after the murder apocalypse. <laughs> but yeah. So by hand of God, do you mean give me give me just a little bit more I mean, on that? Like I, I think there's something. Yeah. Well, we know textually that there's something extraordinary happening. Mm-hmm. I believe it's through the metals themselves. Mm-hmm. Wax seems to be, believe that harmony seems to respond to it, saying that it was something, but it didn't work like he was intending. But there was something there. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, like, whatever's happening outside of their normal abilities, specifically, what I'm talking about is the scene coming up pretty soon. I can't remember exactly where it is, but where were they? Is it scary tree? I think is the the code word for the for the plan. Yeah, but, I think that's for the the miscoat. Yeah. Yeah, he is riddled with holes and never got shot. Like the miscoat is it has like 16 holes in it. And his yeah, explanation mine. is just I wasn't where the bullets were. But like that that feels like there's something more to it than that and we're we're just missing information. Sure. Okay. Part part of me believes that some of the the scary tree bit was was like basically like putting it on a tree or like making it seem like it was something when it isn't, but maybe it wasn't. So we'll get there and we'll talk about mm-hmm. it when we get there. Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay. With that, that closes out our first chapter. So we move into chapter 59 and oh man, we move to Marisy's first chapter of the week and it is fantastic. She makes her way with the help of the survivors into Entrone's home, blows the door open and is quickly caught by Entrone himself, although she does manage to escape a slowness bubble that separates them in something that feels so clearly evocative of like the Star Wars phantom menace scene with darth maul between the lasers it feels like they're just pacing and looking at each other and having this conversation but including some of that conversation and pacing and patience and whatnot before they get to face off what'd you make of her questions and also like the general tone of introne in the scene and the way that his stance kind of feels it's so interesting especially some of the survivor stuff that he brings up what do you make yeah, she gets so fucking lucky throughout this scene in this entire chapter. So I, I'm honestly kind of glad, just mm-hmm. from a storytelling's perspective, that Entrone noticed that the radio was on when he first started talking, and he like heard his echo outside, mm-hmm. and is able to like effectively just turn it off and like foil yeah. that part of the plan. Like it just ratchets up the stakes a little bit more, and it doesn't feel like she is just winning through like Mm -hmm. like she she has an adversary because she doesn't win everything that she tries to do like that right i don't know the best way to describe it does that track though good i I totally get it yeah it it makes it so that it isn't just win 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 and it gives something back where it's like ah shit i was foiled a little bit it does it does reset those stakes and increases the tension in the scene so i'm totally with you there and trone is obviously a slimy garbage person but at least here I can track his reasoning and like he, he makes, he he has a rationale that makes sense that I can like follow. And like there, there are conceits that have to be made in order to put yourself into a position where you can believe those, Mm -hmm. but they're not outside of the realm of believability. It's not just evil. It's I'm, I feel like I'm trapped in a corner and out of my own preservation, out of my own need to survive, like he talks about, this is my path forward. Mm-hmm. 
like I, it sucks and I can't get behind it, but I get it, which felt really good. I, I think so. I think that's why this becomes a rewarding character kind of in the 11th hour, right? Otherwise, he mm-hmm. is just kind of a slimy dirtbag. And I don't think that this really fundamentally makes him any less of a slimy dirtbag. But at the very least, no. we can we can understand the motivation there. And at the very least, if not empathize, sympathize with the understanding. So, like, if you feel like it's the only path out and, like, you've gone, it does feel like he's just gone too deep and he, he can't get out. And especially given kind of the circumstances of everything, it's like, I really can't get out now. He doubled down on the wrong people. So, you know. Yeah. It's reasonable that he gets taken down for it, but at least I understand his motivations. So Exactly. Like, I, I yeah. don't, I don't feel bad for him, mm-hmm. but I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by by comparison, or just for comparison within the same series, I feel like the approach for Miles Hundred Limes feels very similar, but I don't feel like he has as clear of motivations as Entrone does. In this. I would have, I would have liked really for a little it. bit more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would have liked for a little bit more clarity like this from Miles. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah totally totally a thing but i i love i love the conversation that happens here i love the tension it is it is absolutely wonderful the way that they basically play tennis through this time slow bubble it's great so we also briefly see the portal through here so we know that that's coming up i just want to bring that up here since that technically happens inside of the chapter so we know that this play is a play for marisi so that she can you know get to the other side so that she can try to free the people so that she can try to take care of the portal yeah it gives some under some reasoning behind like why there's this ostentatious palace in the middle of this town like oh it's a facade for this for this portal this is the point i believe where intron also talks about bringing in like in some like glowing power source i believe yes mhm are we su- like i'm racking my brain i feel like i should know what this is talking about are we supposed to? Is it? Is it the... I don't think we're supposed to know. My... If I were to try to work this out in things that we know, my closest assumption would be that it is an amount of metal of autonomy that would make it so that a portal could be formed, meaning a, a big portion of autonomy's body to create a perpendicularity. How to get there? <laughs> you know, like that's a... A massive question but glowing i mean why not because trellium's red i'd assume it's the same metal as trellium and maybe i should oh hmm like we know what that metal looks like could hypothetically given given the circumstances could trellium be a hybrid metal maybe like because we know that Trell isn't the real name of Harmony, or not of Harmony of Autonomy, it's Bavidium, or Bavid, Bavid, Bavidin, Bavid, I don't fucking remember. I think it's Bavidin. I was hoping that I would just stumble it until you agreed with me, but there we go. Yeah, it is Bavidin. That's what it is. I have to think, to me, that that silver is... Or rather, the the glowing metal is probably like the core metal, and then we're dealing with an alloy that is actually trellium. Could could not okay. be the case, could, but I, I, I can't think of that. another thing. What is the what is the thing that 
that Kelsier steals from the Elantrians in Secret History? From the Irie, yes. He steals the... Oh my god. What is it called? I thought it was like a glowing something that was kept in a burlap sack of some sort. Yeah, well, it's a ball that's meant to capture the power, to hold the power of a shard. I guess right. it could be that, but that's, I think it's to hold the whole shard, not just like the power of a shard. Could it, it be could used be for multiple things? Like it, it, could, it could be. be yeah, could be used. We get so little on it. But I'm. Yeah, because it also. Oh, okay. Here's the other thing: is that it just being in being in its proximity produces the power to like fuel all of the metals later on so is it is it door effectively so i don't think it's door this is a lot of speculation i don't think it's door right i feel like it's got to be connected with autonomy in order for this to work because they're coming from another planet that autonomy is invested in and so i think for this to be a perpendicularity from a to b that feels right to me it might not be it could be the door it could be any number of things so i'm I would if lean it, towards it the is orb a, or the metal first. If it is a metal specific to Bavadin, mm-hmm. I don't understand how that could fuel all of the other Metalborn's powers. Well, I think that... So here's the thing. I think that the portal being opened is one component of this. I think the metal is used to open the portal to begin with, the perpendicularity, as it were. Right. Okay. And then to consume, they're just consuming the raw investiture, which we know that shards are raw. Like the bodies of shards are raw investiture, as we understand it. The door is. So hack off a piece of your body, turn it into a door, basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Assumption. Assumption. The, The door previously was not described as glowing. So. The door glows. The jars of door glow. Yeah. Did they? Okay. Yep. They glow. Never mind. Yeah. That's my I, that's my current theory that I'm sticking to is that it was door. See, I feel like that's the I to me, I feel like that's the thread that he wants you to latch in on is believing that it is door. It's investiture regardless, but I don't think it's specifically door. That's okay. why I'm I'm of the opinion that I think that it's not door and it's got to be something else related. I think you sound to like autonomy. me. <laughs> I know I have a little bit more info, and okay, so fine. I am kind of leaning on that a little bit. I don't have a perfect answer though. Still, with all of that other info, which is my point, I'm also mm-hmm. not bringing any of that into this. I'm just trying to communicate and ideas. But given my like notch up or two on the rest of the series from the Stormlight Archive. That's my belief, but it could be door. Like, that's the other part of this is like, pfft, it just fucking could be. So, you yeah. know, speculation hour 101. Here we are. Fair enough. Welcome to Words and Whiskey, W K O N, speculation hour. <laughs> I am your host, Crossland Shaw, and I have no friends. That's only so, mostly true. Yeah. I mean, fair. What do you think of the useless power conversation that goes on again regarding Marisy and her capabilities? Here, like, like the idea that power is only useful if nobody's or if everybody doesn't die, basically. No, I, I really mean that. Like, he calls her power useless in addition to like calling her a bastard oh, and a bunch of other things, right? Like, okay. literally, her power that she has as a. God, what do they call it? Not she's not slider. a slider. She's the other one. Yeah. Fuck. 
So it's cadmium. Pulsar. 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 Well, I mean, it feels weird. It feels weird for that to be brought up because it either means he is completely unaware of the technology that they've gained access to and have kind Mm -hmm. of started to like build technology around, like build their world around. Or he's just trying to get into her head somehow, which might be kind of effective with the rioting going on. Well, a little bit later. It's we're not there yet. That's later. That's later. Okay. That's Um, about to happen. But yeah. So like it just felt, it felt like grasping at straws more than anything of like, she knows she, she understands where her use lies. It's not as inherently like internally useful but but there are technologies within this world that they have access to that makes her powers incredibly useful mm-hmm. but even before that like she found uses for it and like saved the day with unconventional uses of her power like i don't get where he's going at with that i think it's just him trying to get into her head Entirely. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's an ego like he's trying to play into that ego. But I think what's so great is that especially if we consider Marisi's arc, this feels like and getting into kind of the next chapter and, and some of the stuff that happens there, too. This feels like ultimately a payoff for her turning down power and turning down these capabilities. And she's like, I am more than the utility of of what I was born with. And I, I think that that's right. so great. And your perceived value of me as such like that's awesome i think Mm -hmm. i really agree from her perspective so do i yeah so for me that's where i see this resolving right not that she really comes to that conclusion but i think that we can draw that that's how she got here especially after the last book and being given the powers of vin and the way that we do eventually get there in the form of like as soon as this goes on she's like the power isn't the power of me it's the power of the people as as a member of like the law it's not about me being powerful it's about the fact that people vest their power in me and belief in me to do the right thing so right love that love that love that i know that we're not quite there yet but it's one of my favorite parts of the book is i think it's really well really well written that front so uh, intron quickly blitzes through a wall though which is just kind of a shock of a moment when he just runs through one of them and around the slow slowness bubble grabs her and holds her aloft but marisi gets the comeback here she knows what her strength is and her cousin shows up armal and unleashes a pure incredibly powerful rioting siphoning some of the door to create this effect in the moment and really like just so cool the way this chapter ends i mean what a what a fucking burst of sudden action Mm -hmm. it's a pretty great way to end this end the chapter end the 50s end the 50s as it were yes good call and we exit the 50s and we enter um, this. Oh, yeah. Well, so I, I just wanted to take a step back to the previous question a little bit. Talking about useless powers and their perception mm-hmm. as stuff or as such. She has such just just because I want to make us drink. She has such a different and more healthy outlook on her herself and her powers and their usefulness and and whether or not that defines who she is than Spook did through most of Era 1. We don't see any tins, tin eyes throughout Era 2, as far as I can recall. One that I believe it's in Shadows of Self, 
when they're chasing down the car that works for the taxi company. Oh, He's yes. He's a 10i because yep. he can key into things from a long distance and then relays them. But he that's maybe. it. Like, it's no, she, yeah. It, that character. Yeah. 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 But either way, like, his whole thing was that Wonderful he had point. a useless ability and and really dragged himself down for it through most of era one Mm -hmm. and then redeemed himself by being given other powers yeah absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. like that's not how it's not how you redeem somebody right and like like prove that they're not useless by like giving them external superpowers god yeah 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 by comparison this is like in my head this is the correct way to have handled it to begin with like this is entirely the way that spook's arc should have been handled right like she doesn't need all of those powers cheers and that's a great point honestly i hadn't thought of that parallel yeah honestly that's killer because it is totally it is the same problem in the beginning kind of and then she comes out on the other side of that completely and doesn't need additional powers in order to be who she who she is or who she wants to be and isn't just spontaneously given them but there's still time pj so that's true <laughs> it could happen <laughs> oh man <laughs> what what a thematic disaster that would be <laughs> after having this long conversation about it just be like oh and by the way you get a mistborn and you get a mistborn yeah harmony's just giving those out apparently not that he actually is but you know you get a nugget and you get a nugget everybody gets you, a nugget everybody gets a nugget you want my nuggies okay with that we go into chapter 60 and wow we move into this chapter and this whole next thing just feels incredible this is the resolution of the previous chapter we haven't we've we've talked about missing emotional alamancy inside of the story and the fact that it hasn't been featured much and it's incredible to have that back in the story, especially with how much Sanderson's writing has improved book to book to book. It's a blast, a wave, and she feels absolutely suppressed by this rioting. And like the tug on her emotions feels like she's almost being pulled into a well, but she's just crawling on the ground. You know what I mean? It feels like something out of Hercules where she's like trying to swim her way out of hell, but she's just crawling on the ground. And I, I just love that she has such a hard time shaking it off, but she does manage to shake it off because she knows who she is. Like we were talking about before, she has this confidence. She knows that she's not useless, but in Tron, meanwhile, doesn't lacks that same confidence and instead is wearing a facade and is given those things artificially by other people and other means and is therefore a lesser character. Yeah, Uh, I, I, (laughs) I'm going to do it to you like in this answer. Uh, (laughs) I really fucking loved the description of how the rioting took hold here Mm -hmm. and, and how it affected Marisi. And I don't know if it's one or the other or both. I'm, my assumption is that it's both, but if it's just, Branderson's ability to write these things or the fact that we haven't really inhabited the mind of somebody that wasn't a mistborn during a really effective bout of emotional allomancy. Like that's the, true. We, the the biggest ahead. comparison that I have here isn't Breeze, but Anytime the Lord Ruler stepped foot in the area, it was that really, really oppressive, just 
emo vibe. And that's really the, the extent of how it was described. You didn't get the specifics. You didn't get the, like, the rushing thoughts that would naturally come whole or come, come, come to take hold of you as the way it's described here. Like, I loved this. The doubt and the just the self, the self doubt manifest, the loathing, and, yeah, and just spiraling thoughts. We don't get that in Era One, and obviously, we don't get any of that throughout most of Era Two because there hasn't been emotional elements featured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's only like two cases in which we have any emotional elementsy, and I think it's the mention of it again with the cabbie, like them influencing people to like make them make car trips or not make car trips or what have you, and then the uh, the party Marsh, the party. There is some in the party. There's also when Marsh walks into the room, he is soothing, sort of seemingly yeah. a little bit casually to everyone that's in there. Yeah, on like <laughs> aluminum foil hats as a counter right. to right. emotional elementsy. So like we know it mm-hmm. exists. We just mm-hmm. don't get any firsthand accounts with it. Like firsthand emotional like commentary on it. Yeah, right. Totally. And that's that's the other side of this is I think to your point, the last time that we even had like a powerful rioting be depicted was the Lord Ruler like walking around in general. I, I'm, not, I'm not soothing, even positive if that was I a believe. soothing. Yeah, it must have yeah. been a soothing. It could have been rioting. But like I think that this is the first time that this has really strongly happened. We know Alriandre, Alriandre, your least favorite character, favorite character, is, again, we're taking another drink because we're bringing this back up into that, was a rioter. And we did see some of those moments from Breeze's perspective, but nothing like this. Yeah. We got we got really cool moments from Breeze effectively rioting people through, yeah, through soothing. Yep. Which was super cool, but yeah. Um, yeah. But rarely on the other side of it too. That's the other side. Like not just like that's breeze exerting something. This is being exerted upon yeah. and what that would, how that would impact you. So I love it. It's great. I did too. Yeah. More oh. of this, please. Branderson <laughs> more, more, please. I have to imagine if I'm imagining era three, I think if we're going spy thriller, we're going to be playing with emotional allomancy leads. I think mm. I would love that. God, you could make a case for so many of them though. You could, you could, but I feel like emotional allomancy as like a social, dedu- a social tool is so useful. And that would be such a good thing for a spy to have. That would be. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder Not if that you other bring, ones would, but would you bring back Mistborn? I don't know. Maybe. You might have to to have them be on an even playing field with technology improving. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or or another like really really aggressive twinborn. Yeah, right. Twinborn combos that could be crazy. Yeah, sounds like a subreddit. Twinborn combos that are crazy. Op twinborn. <laughs> I don't know. Op twinborn. Okay, so they managed to leech away in Tron's powers, but they realize that they have still have to fully contend with this. And we get our second era callback. Not really. I mean, but there, there have been like, I think a couple of them. But it, I mean, it's there's just so many. And I, again, I feel like this one is particularly leading our emotions in the form of the powerful riot like the Lord Ruler would be capable of. That comparison, it just, not that it's wrong. It's not it, that it's incorrect. It's that we can draw that conclusion without bringing the Lord Ruler into the equation. Yeah. I think. 
and we we were capable of it. But now it's time for us to deal with that pool just like the last Emperor Elend did before. So like in the span of two pages, we go from like talking about the Lord Ruler to talking about the fucking Elend again. And it's like, you're not wrong. None of this is wrong. <laughs> but too much, too yeah. quick, too condensed. It's so much. But this is that point where like, I don't know if you can solve this problem without referencing that answer. You know, I like think, what, mm. what would point you to trying to like, I feel like it would feel Here's, just as bad to not reference it and just go and start like true. burning it. I don't think that's true. Like <sighs> the idea oh, of like dipping in and like touching it or like trying to do it and referencing it makes sense to me versus saying we have to do what Ellen did. Like, so that's my, my problem is is telling us as opposed to like trying and experimenting. And then the character having a flash of realization that it's like Ellen is very different than being like, we have to go do what was already done. You know? So I, frankly, I think my assumption is those, um, those allomantic grenades hold a lot. Yeah. Like way more than people can. So I think if Marisi were to go and like, inspect the pool or inspect the the portal and the grenade accidentally touches it and it just diminishes the size of the pool immediately based on just the the grenade touching it that would trigger that memory of like oh it's like that that would feel Mm -hmm. a lot better i to your to your point i think you're right I also like, don't, I don't know that I would have issues with it if we didn't just talk about the Lord Ruler basically yeah. within a page. Like that's my other part of my other problem with it. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with it, but there's so much of it in such a tight space that it's like why aren't you just letting them live these mm-hmm. moments and then make it feel like they're doing that? That's again, we're kind of I'm griping on this I think a little bit more than yeah. I intend to, but it is my number one complaint about these this climax is it does it does latch on to era one very tightly to try to wrap its emotional payoffs in it mm-hmm. like a blanket, like a comforting blanket. Cause we know what that is. We know what those payoffs are. So, right. You know, and parallelism is fine. I'm totally down with them. These things resolving in a similar fashion and even harkening back and calling to them. But yeah, I just, I have a little, I have a little beef with the telling instead of showing that. Yeah. I can get behind that. And the frequency with which it's told. I do I do want to clarify something maybe that is some like out of context stuff. The way that he wrote the end of this novel is he wrote them as three separate chunks and he just wrote it all together and then he went and spaced them out into each other. So you can see in his like progress blogs that he was talking about, he's like in the end of the story there there's like th- we have three POVs and they split up very distinctly. So I wrote them all independently and then stitched them together. Okay. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm assuming Wax and Wayne were probably written together and then split and figuring out how to, you know, yeah. And then Steris and Marisi. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's it, but... Huh. So, you can see why this could become overburdened with the mentions on accident, especially if you aren't going through and doing a repass yourself. It's just, it's, again, it's not, it's like, we're talking minor gripe. <laughs> Yeah, I want to make that very clear. I'm not like this is not secret history bad by any stretch. And and I know that not everyone agrees with me there. So that's fine. Or us there. 
at the very least. I'm glad that we had the same reaction to it at the very least because it would have it would have been a little weird otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> that's so. All right. I mean, that's With the whole that, point, right? Like you and I right. have similar tastes and similar outlooks yeah. on things. Like, right. It's natural, not identical, but, but similar. So, but very similar. Yeah. Right. Like that's why that's why this podcast started. So. I don't think it should you be like that surprising. <laughs> right. It's kind of the idea. Cool. All right. So we but go. I guess, I, in... I guess my point is oh, yeah. if you disagree with us, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's a okay. Like we, we just happen to jive really, really well together and like tend to hold similar opinions on things, but that yeah. doesn't mean we're 100% right. That doesn't mean we're the, the only opinion that can be held. It's just I, I think like, what it, yeah, yeah I, I don't want this to become an echo chamber, but yeah, like, we, we also aren't an authority. Like that's the other, like we're not trying to act too. like I'm some kind of almighty authority far from authority. I yeah, we, we are not, we're not <laughs> trying to be some authoritative voice. It's about entertainment. We hope you enjoy our trip through these things. We like, we hope to add clarity to things that may have been confusing and like enhance the story in other ways for you, especially through PJ's perspective and an additional fine tooth comb, tooth comb on these things, tooth. Fine tooth comb. Fine, uh, fine tooth. Tooth. It's a little, it's just a tooth comb. It, you could just fucking call it a floss, but you know, or it's a toothbrush. Comb. A comb, comb like separates things though. That's, that's like. Your toothbrush doesn't comb separate comb divides. No. Floss does mm. though. I'm doing it wrong. You, you got teeth problems. <laughs> that's <laughs> you true. You should get that checked out. <laughs> All right, with that, we get into chapter 61. Wax and Wayne fly through the air towards the Shaw, jumping between between skyscrapers and Wayne's upset that they didn't launch their window all dramatic-like like Vin did back in the day. Again, calling back to that first book, explaining that Wayne knows all this because the book that he's read, Max, I think is great. Mm-hmm. And then anyway, he leans over to like look in and the gun cracks the window in almost described as the same fashion as when Vin did it. So it is kind of fun and it was the right call to not just like jump in guns a blazing. But like, again, this one, I think you could have gotten away with because it's a well-executed joke, but because of yeah. the other ones, <laughs> just proximity, feels bad. proximity, yeah, just proximity. And volume. Right. Yeah. Yep. I th- just to kind of break this down and, and go to the root of it. I know for a fact that there are other stories and I'm sure there's a lot more than I, I'm aware of that use previous books as a mythological or not source material for the new story the one that comes to mind obviously to me is the silmarillion and the the hobbit and the lord of the rings but this this seems to do it in a much more concise way like it's not more obvious it's not more out there like i i don't know how to describe it but like it, it is it feels clever in a lot of these moments, this one specifically, are are there others that stick out in your mind? Other stories that stick other out? stories other... that that do this? I think the like form I, of base I, I know we're we're ripping into the just a lot of these yeah. because of the proximity and because of the sort it, of it, bluntness yeah, of how many of them are at once, but most of them standing on their own are done pretty well. 
I love for the record, I also love this idea of like building upon that mythos and like evolving it over time. That's part mm-hmm. of the reason that I love like the comparison, especially if you bring up the Hobbit lord of the rings and the silmarillion right is it's like this compounding thing where of course there are going to be references and of course when characters are raised with these books and things it's not we treat it like fiction but it's their like foundational myths of the world it's their religions it's all this stuff there are a number of series that do it there's the wheel of time kind of does it in a different way you explore it over the course of the like you don't start in the past and then like go there, but you kind of have like flashbacky builds that explain the past, if that makes sense. It makes sense in the context of the story because there's a unique kind of twist there. I don't want to ruin it for you, but that works. The Dark Tower has a similar kind of mythos. You don't get it until later in the series, but then you get it and you get it all at once and you're like, oh shit, the foundation myth and all these commentaries, that makes sense. You get it in, oh, oh my God, one of my favorite examples is... David Gemmel's Stormbreaker, the first two books are 300 years prior to the other two. And so it's like you have two books that set up the foundation of everything, and then you have the payoff. The series is called the Regante series. The first book, I believe, is Sword in the Storm. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of my favorite fantasy novels. But there there are a lot that do this and do it well to the extent, though, that like Brandon's going with pushing forward in ages. Not that many. First Law does as well, I should say. I should clarify that. First Law is kind of that as well. But Okay. Yeah. Cool. A little bit. Yeah. A couple of examples. But, like, I, again, I totally jive with it. I love this idea because the characters should know these things. They should think of them because it's evocative in their own lives. It's the metaphors of everything around them. So, like, it makes sense for them to bring them up. It is literally just a proximity problem <laughs> and a frequency and... In Marcy's case, a tell not show, but it is what it is. It is. It's still good. I I like it. Yeah, but they decide to pull off the scary tree, and we get even more callbacks to Era One with the first use of coins as a killing weapon in the series to take down a couple of folks. From Wax's perspective, he then does something similar with the lights before meeting back up with Wayne, giving him the coat back with a couple of holes in it. Just kind of a couple. Of holes in it. I think yeah. he says there's 16 of them. Like, it's, of course there's 16 of them. He's fucking Swiss cheese. This is what I was talking well, about before. Like, it, yeah. it, it, There's not a further explanation. There's not anything more other than the... Uh, I dodged him. I don't, I don't fucking know. Ex- explanation from Wayne. Like that's, that's all we really get. But it feels to me... Like there's more t- more going on than what we see. There definitely, definitely is. This is one of those things where, again, window dressing and like our understanding of what something is versus like seeing it all the time. Because we're in Wax's perspective. It'd be great in this moment to be in Wayne's. To that point, yeah, you did just drink for that because we did make mention of Arrow 1 again inside of this with all the callbacks and the coins. But I do find it funny, A, that there are that many holes, and then B... This is like a mist cloak style coat, right? And so, like, it has a bunch of tassels everywhere. And so that means that, like, where he got shot was, like, up higher in the cloak, (laughs) kind of. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be above where the tassels are because there wouldn't, you would take off a tassel. You wouldn't put a hole in a tassel, probably. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It'd be hard to count them. Yeah. I guess the the coat extends to about the waist in the official drawing. So, yeah, I yeah. guess. I, okay, fine. Whatever. 
Yeah. Fine. Okay. It can it's have like a holes. duster. It can have a bunch of holes. It's like, yeah. a, I imagine right. it like a duster that's been sh- like halfway pushed Shredded. through a paper shredder. Basically. That is basically <laughs> what it looks like. Yeah. That tracks. Like you just dip your duster into the industrial paper shredder mm-hmm. and then pull it back out. How did you feel about the coin callback? It didn't strike me necessarily as something they're referred to as coin shots constantly. Like that, that's a natural thing to just have on your person and use as a projectile. Like it didn't really strike me as a callback to Arrow One. Maybe I, I missed some text that that made it more clear for some reason, but like that didn't really strike me. I, I feel like that's, I don't think that's an incorrect or improper reaction. Like it doesn't need to be striking all the time. I just found it interesting myself because I was like, if it's such an effective tool, why don't you use it more? Like that was my first thought. It was like, well, if, if it works so well, why aren't you doing this more consistently all the time? So yeah, that was more my, my bag at it. Like, cause very clearly it was incredibly effective as he, assassinated these folks so it's because he's always had bullet casings and and those are just aren't they're smaller and they're not like flat they're not as wide like they can still do a lot of damage but he was working with what he's always had and coins while maybe he had them they're useful and bullet casings aren't so he'd naturally gravitate to using them first. But like a, a coin can do so much more damage than like a hollow bullet casing could. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. On the on the other side as well, obviously we've been fixating a little bit on the coin thing here. There's something to be said about him being a lawman as well. Like I'm countering my own point to some degree, but like because he is a lawman like he never needs to silently take people out it's always about addressing it trying to bring it up to people and then if he has to go loud he goes loud so why would you use coins when you have a gun that can shoot faster because you can push on them and you already get a head start so Mm -hmm. there's that too i guess was kind of my core point right he likes being flashy he does like being flashy that's for sure to our devil's cut question I wouldn't pick coins. I would definitely pick the the watch over the coins or the stun ring. Anyway. <laughs> you can uh, listen to that devil's cut at patreon.com slash words and whiskey. It didn't have to be an ad placement, PJ. <laughs> no, but you made it an ad placement. <laughs> okay. Wax chooses to slip the earring back in to have a conversation with Telson where she calls him a frightened child and they share the equivalent of a movie villain motivation speech between the two of them kind of arguing back and forth maybe not a motivation speech but kind of like the core of why I'm doing this and you can't stop me and this is why I've always done this there's also the come and get me kind of moment at the end before he throws away that earring what do you make this conversation between brother and sister in this chapter so this is the immediate continuation of the conversation from a couple weeks ago where wax slipped away off the rooftop, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think they've interacted since then. Nope. So she still doesn't seem to really grip how much he's changed. It Mm -hmm. felt like she's less ignorant now. Like it wasn't, it wasn't directed like she's dealing with a, a child that hasn't grown up, but 
more so she's relying now on history and shared experiences and understanding how she's always bested him mm-hmm. in things which felt but she still doesn't seem to really have that that grip of how much he's changed since then i feel like this this established communication technique this remote communication is the best way for this villain monologue to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's the only way that it makes sense to me because you don't have the opportunity for the, the protagonist to foil the villain's plan while they're talking. And you don't have the frustration of like, just fucking do it when you're looking at like what the villain's doing. Like this is well-planned. This is well-executed. And I, I love that. You can have these tropes done in a, a a more effective way. Absolutely. You want to talk about tropes. This is like the beginning of the scene that is basically what if we escalated Die Hard with superpowers? Yeah. And like this is effectively the walkie-talkie between Hans and Bruce Willis's character, right? Like exactly. This is, yeah. So... I, I'm totally down with it and I, I love it and it totally works because it's not just espousing it directly in front of someone when it's like, why don't you blow their face off? Like you could you could end this right now, but it works in a similar way and the other die hard works in a similar way because it's there's a distance to it, but the communication is still effective. So mm-hmm. you did say somewhere in there that, that like she's bringing up the fact that like, you know, not dealing with a child anymore and PJ, I'm not going to lie. I was having a hard time not laughing hysterically because comparatively you look like a child right now for me. So I, I wanted to rub that sick burn in and I got a sick delay on that joke. So now it's not nearly as funny and is instead just mean and hurtful. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, You're right. Kalen said, I look like I'm 23 again. Uh, That's funny. (laughs) For those of you who haven't listened to The Devil's Cut, we're not going to explain it. You can go listen at patreon.com slash words and whiskey. God damn it. You did two in a row. <laughs> All right. We really appreciate that support, of course. But No, I, I, I really do like this moment. I think that it works brilliantly across the board. Like, I, I think you, I couldn't have said it better, especially as you said it. So, like... No, no comment. You, you just hit it. Sometimes you just do it, right? But you, if you thought the movie analogies were going to stop, I got like four more in the next two chapters. They're so all die couple hard of chapters. No, they're not all die hard. <laughs> this die. I didn't even put die hard in the notes. I just thought about it for a second. I was like, oh yeah, it is kind of like Nakatomi Plaza and like going upwards and then scaling the building and then having the confrontation on the roof and yeah, Hans Gruber falling to his death, but that doesn't I mean, actually happen. I just thought it did. Right. I did too again for some reason. I got tricked by the end and then I realized what it was. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, but he tears out the earring, throws, throws it away and says that it's time for the sword to do his job. And oh man, is it fucking time. Brutal shit to come, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know. I don't think there's any doubt. Well, yeah, I think. <laughs> At this point, it's kind of a flinch. It's nice. All right, with that, we go into chapter 62. 
and wow does the sword start strong he starts with the fire extinguisher and kind of creating creating a cloud of smoke for him to wander around and then we honestly get one of the coolest scenes in the entire series his big gun a massive shrapnel cannon of course is what we find out it's meant for him to be manipulative not necessarily just to kill like shooting it directly at someone but instead to like give outlines to show where everyone is in a room to wound so that he can kill so that he can go through and clean out a full room and he just kind of becomes an embodiment of death it's crazy just as he kind of like stalks through these rooms murdering everyone and creating a wall of metal in front of him as well as he describes it right so he's like just shoving around and directing this wall as he embraces the other side of the pathian virtue that we don't often talk about of course as part of harmony is that side of ruin yeah so this is what i talked about at the beginning of the episode this scene Mm -hmm. where all i could think about is zane and and vin going through set's headquarters through his his mansion what 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 would it be called because that space but it's not his his stronghold sure yeah sure whatever like that that's that's all i was thinking about through this was how similar that was in Mm. feeling and in execution and in brutality yeah so yeah i'm drinking absolutely i don't know if we already did but fair cheers i am become death waxillium ladrian as it were So I, I really love this scene, of course, because it's not only like just brilliantly written action. I feel like you can see it and feel how it's depicted in the way that he's kind of swinging around this wall. But he also destroys the staircase and carves his way through everyone in his path. And it feels so evocative of the Matrix elevator scene to me. Like that was my first thought in the way that a lot of this goes. And it's it's just great. We hear the groans and wax. I said evocative, didn't I? That's why you fucking cheers me. I didn't understand and I did it. Oh no! Okay, so it's it, but it is it it rem, it's reminiscent of the scene in the Matrix. But we hear the groans and wax wax acts, eh, asks Harmony that he never be made to do this again, and we see a flashback to Arrow One and says it in the streets among the ruins in Ellendale, saying he's been basically saying that he's been there. I don't think that he actually says anything. It's just meant to depict the fact that he understands what wax is going through in that kind of image in his head and the way that he feels and he's acknowledging it and saying yes i get it yeah that he also doesn't that's go back the here. response to you don't know how this feels it's like no nope, yeah. here here you go <laughs> mm-hmm. here's my feelings yeah yeah i feel like that's the best response that could be in that situation he doesn't have much of a choice he's not able to directly talk to him Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he's able to imprint that that scene. Like that that feels like a stretch of the abilities based on how we've been able to understand them. You know? Right, totally. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that. Hmm. Like that feels that feels even more complicated than just directly talking to like place the image yeah yeah maybe i i don't i don't think that it's a stretch of the power or anything like that that is like untenable because i think it, don't we also doesn't ruin also put an image in vin's head of the end of the world or no sorry preservation does it to kelsey or never mind 
fuck secret history sorry what yeah yeah i guess i guess to your point like we don't really see hmm. yeah i don't know i like it again it's because it's evocative of era one not because it's telling us like it's 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 that god damn it i said it again <laughs> fuck it, it it's it's a it's a reminder of what came before as opposed to something that's very blatant i think it's i think it's great yeah i like it i just I, I I balked a little bit at the the mechanics of why that was allowed to happen. I feel like well, I feel like we get the explanation though that like the idea is that preservation can provide things to the head and or sorry, ruin can provide things to the mind and preservation can hear the mind's thoughts, right? So why wouldn't you be able to push a picture? <laughs> yeah, but not not audio. He probably could have pushed audio. Okay. But he never did before. Until I have until the he answer, put in unfortunately. The, so okay, like I fuck. know. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's let's this one, just this continue. This is one of those moments where I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> fine. All right. <laughs> let's let's keep going then. Am I fair to have that feeling? I think it's fair. Okay. Like I I know I get latched onto things where like the answer's right there and I just ignored it and like I'm wrong. But I but I'll keep like diving in. So as long as this isn't one of those, I'm cool with it. But like if 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 I should understand that this is possible, just let me know. I Yeah. I will totally let you know if that were the case. Yeah, I'm never I'm never like I'm not gonna tell you what and why, of course, but I'm always gonna let you like not yeah be trapped cool so all right at the very least in brandon sanderson stuff and everywhere else i might just be mysterious and cryptic so everything That's has fine. an explanation here versus another shit i can be like yes excellent so wax is ready to launch into the next room but wayne manages to talk him out of it as he's pretty sure they're just standard guards the chapter ends with him shouting to them we get to that almost immediately in the next chapter but what do you make of this like call of wayne's to try to not kill more people i mean it's a pretty fucking good call yeah um what i wonder is how many other people would have actually been able to stop wax in his tracks like this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Wayne is one of the only people that would have been able to do it. Steris maybe at this point could have. She'd never be in this situation though. So like it, it to get Wax to take another approach after this insane just just killing torrent of yeah. death. Yeah. Says a lot about his relationships with Wayne. It it also says a lot about the way that Wayne's changed. It's like a physical acknowledgement of the fact that like Wayne didn't like killing to begin with. And he's like always lived with that in this moment. He's like part of being close to you has been the killing. And so now I need to stop because I, I am cognizant of this and my body and mind can act together to be like, I think we can do better, especially because I think these people don't want to be here. And that's great. I think it's a great payoff moment of Wayne's change as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It exemplifies the best parts of Wayne. Mm-hmm. All right, so with that, we go into chapter 63. We've already started talking about this, of course, because this is kind of some of the payoff that we get from 62. But I love that he convinces all of the people to leave. This is one of those things that, like, 
I love The Matrix. I adore the movie. I think it's great. I think Neo, the character, given I don't want to go into like the reason that he didn't is because everyone in The Matrix is fake anyway. And that's why like shooting them is fine in the moment. But I feel like Neo, the character, would have done the same thing that Wax or that Wayne did in this moment of like being like, hey, if you're not like into this, get out. And I believe Neo would have done the same thing. So it's very reminiscent of that to me. That's like where my parallel ends to some degree. But I, I really enjoy that it is his desire to do the right thing and save lives here that like just shines through. And I, I love that for Wayne. For sure. I, I absolutely love the mental place that Wayne is at in this section and here specifically. Like it is so him to be able to speak to people's rationales and their their mentalities upon things and to really be able to understand like hey those were trained soldiers but these are just they're just guards they want to go have Mm -hmm. a beer with their friends they want to go like hang out with their wife and kids they want to like relax after a, a an honest day's work they're they're not hired they are hired guns to a certain extent but they're not they're not soldiers and that's what they're dealing with. Um, like I just him being able to rationalize that and, and understand that and speak to them honestly and, and bluntly in a way that resonates is great, but it's, it also reflects upon these changes that we've seen in Wayne over the last several chapters this this section specifically but this whole series as a as a whole like he he is i i i just i love where he's at and i wouldn't have asked for a better speech from him in this moment yeah i i think on the other side of that i i totally agree with you i love the speech i love the entirety of what he's really getting at here we've been talking about how like wayne is very good at imitating people and not understanding people and this is the opposite this is understanding the way we we talked about this earlier but it's like he's been like reading skin deep to some degree and now he's past that he's like these guys aren't going to be into that naturally. And he's thinking about those things a little bit more or at the very least more apparently to us in this moment in context. So it's almost an immediate payoff for the conversation that we have with wax at the beginning of the week, which is that like he can think about these things and consider them and rationalize that in his head now as a part of that change that you mentioned. So fuck. So good. For sure. So good. We then find ourselves confronted by the pair of clones once more and Wax and Wayne decide to fight the other's clones swapping and betting that they can take them. Yeah. What my, my only thought about, like, first of all, brilliant, great, great change of pace, great shift in the, in the combat. But my only like thought about this is had they never considered that like, a scenario in which not wax defeats wax and Wayne defeats not Wayne. And then not wax has to face Wayne. Like, okay. Brain, brain, do hard, bad. That's a, that's a lot. Truda and Dumod. So just the names. Okay. Just the (laughs) names. Truda. Yeah. Gertruda and Dumod are the names. Wayne, Wayne defeats Gertruda. Mm Mm-hmm. Dumad defeats Wax. And now Dumad has to face 
Wayne. Mm. Like that never crossed their mind as like a consideration. They thought they were, gonna win. They, thought they were both going to win. They never considered yeah. that one of them might fail. Right. And if it, then they're fucked. They I think both have to win to, the, to not be fucked. You're you're totally right. I I don't want to. I'm definitely trying to not disparage that because they also have the superpower versions of these things, right? They have additional abilities that stretch beyond the the sort of normal convention of their counterparts' capabilities, right? Because of hemorrhagic mm-hmm. spikes. But on top of that, I think that the other side that I really appreciate about this is it gets back to that skin deep thing and i think especially in 65 when we talk about gertruda she is trying to imitate wayne but doesn't really understand wayne and that's the problem and so i think to the same degree because they're so focused on imitation they aren't even considering the possibility of failure because wax and wayne never fail (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know i don't know it's kind of my yeah. take. I I, yeah. I I totally understand where you're coming from, but these don't seem like logical characters to imprint that kind of a decision on. You know what I mean? Like they're not they're not thinking straight. Autonomy has gotten to them. They're also terrified for their own lives, which is weird because Wax even gives an out to Gertrude at one point. Right. That's true. Yeah. So I'm with you. I I totally agree. Like it it is a little strange, but at the same time, it pays off well. It works well in the story, and I think for that sure. these characters sure. aren't smart enough to, in my head and rationalization from everything that we see on screen, I'm I'm not sure that they would have considered it genuinely. Right. So, but with that, we move into chapter sixty four, which is the final Marisi chapter of the week, and we move back to Marisi. And the burning of the portal. This is an intense and quick chapter in which all of the Alamancers of whom were in the room before managed to burn all of the metals that they have inside of them and basically siphon the power, the investiture, the raw investiture we assume from the portal to destroy it and try to close it. They're channeling everything that they can outwardly. There's these fits of like the house, the facade is blown apart by the pushes that are going out. There's also the emotional waves that are again flooding over Marisi and everyone else as this is happening. And there's also Marisi charging her cubes in, in the slow fashion and also creating a slow bubble around her. So like time passing is interesting in that moment, right? Or is she just putting in the cubes? Just into the cubes. She just, just into the cubes. Yeah. She just activates it when she puts it through the portal as a means of stopping yeah, it from yeah. going through. I just I, I didn't know if she also like was burning her it wouldn't make a difference, I don't think, even if she was if they were uh, in the bubble. She might have been also. I think she probably was. Yeah, she probably would have been, but not in a way that didn't affect every like it would have encompassed everybody. So like yeah, it, it wouldn't have really changed. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rel- yeah. relative to what we understand it wouldn't have changed anything but anyway regardless if she is or if she isn't i know that she's focusing on the cube at the very least and she throws the cube through to end the attempt of autonomy's army this army of red and gold that we've been afraid of for books and books and books the men of red and gold from coming through the gate yeah so um yeah i have so many questions about the like very specific mechanics mm-hmm. of this and maybe we'll get answers to it maybe we won't but we don't now so like i'm not going to dwell on it too much but it is astounding to me that they're able to burn through so much. And maybe I don't have a proper understanding of the scale of the number of people that we're dealing with or the size of the portal that we're dealing with. Like, it just feels like if we're making the comparison to Elland and all mm-hmm. of the, the, um, that made up Ruin's body, this feels like so much less metal yeah 
I, I think it directly. Aids. Like, I think uh, that's like, the reality. I th- like the I, that's my that's my best represent like my best understanding is that like this is just a small amount that made a small portal that like one person could crawl through at a time. I'm fine with that. Like, I assume uh, the army is going to walk through, but I'm I'm not sure that it's one person. But I would assume well, it's you know at a time though. That that's my point. Is how big is this portal? She is sees it, the army through it, so I have to imagine that it's at the very least. Well, like I mean, but here's, if you have here's a what doorway, I'm going. Like, think yeah. about a door. Think about like yep. a door frame, and you look through it. You can see a lot more than what can come through at a single time. Very true. Yep. That's that's kind of where my rationale is coming from. Like, this is a small portal, and over time, the entire army could come through. But it's not like they could come through walking 20,000 strong just marching through it like it, 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 I don't know I don't know it's not clear I want to know though and like it it just feels like such a small action to completely negate it in my head like it feels like there should have been more of a problem to close this whole thing I definitely understand that the pool is vanishing as they burn right so like it is getting smaller so i guess i assumed that it was probably a larger pool and then got smaller as they were continuing to like reach in for me my comparison is the well of ascension of which seems to be like this full room size thing and so i'm imagining something similar i'm also assuming it isn't that the grenades took a lot of the weight off of this thing like my my rationale is that those grenades can hold up a lot more metal than the people can themselves and can also fill and drain a lot faster so like she has two or three of them whatever it is and it just like my my guess is that that pulled a lot of weight yeah and she's not sure how much they can hold she's just pumping it into it you know, yeah. kind of in a in a raw fashion. So it's very interesting too. I mean, there, there's this whole side of things inside of the story too that I, I really appreciate, which is that like harmonium. We haven't talked about this, I don't think ever, but harmonium is almost equated to uranium in its own way, where it is this incredible technology that is very unstable in certain circumstances mm-hmm. and is very dangerous in certain circumstances. So that's interesting, especially considering it is his metal. And that means, is he maybe unstable in, in context? And I, I'm bringing this up inside of this section because mm-hmm. I feel like it fits with the general idea of autonomy and the powers that we're talking about. It's loosey-goosey. It's not well-defined. That's so a pitch of a I, question back. I appreciate where you're going with that. I didn't really have that feeling. My understanding of its instability was because the two powers that create this being are inherently at odds with each other correct yeah and that's where the instability comes from but it's got two functions too that's the other side of it right like it's got the explosive potential when it's split or applied with something else right which is the atom bomb that we're basically seeing in the form of the threat for most of this book but then on the other side of it it is incredibly important to technology and like flight for instance capabilities that it brings so and these cubes i mean seem to be i think they're derived from that metal but maybe not don't remember i think they were they i thought they, they were but metal not 100 percent of that point being I, though is that it's like i'm pretty it can sure be used for good it can be used for destruction in a very similar way 
But I think that it speaks to the instability of the whole thing because they're at odds with each other. Right. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I I just want more. I want more mechanical answers. I want more. And I, I agree with you. I think for me, this is the chapter that is the least fulfilling for me out of the conclusion chapters that we have thus far because it all happens so fast and there's so little explanation. I understand the pool shrinking and the way that that just starts to happen and the metal in the room and the radio vibrator part, like all this stuff, like it's it's well depicted. I can imagine the scene mostly i'm missing the critical details like size and scope and some of those things so right but i really like this as a resolution to the portal it makes sense to me but it does happen so fast that i have to like re-listen to this chapter four times i also physically read it a couple of times and it's like okay all right anyway that's all we really have to talk about but like mission accomplished right like <laughs> yeah i mean they don't have the banner or a bomber to pose in front of but <laughs> they don't yet have planes is that is that the joke it's uh, not the joke but oh. it couldn't it can be no i know <laughs> i know i i got i got the joke but yeah good call they, they do planes. need they do need a banner so all right we go into chapter 65 leaving marisy for the week 65 is a it, it was a hell of a thing to consider like notes and how to structure this so i'm gonna let it go a little loosey-goosey because this is effectively one kind of intense action sequence throughout it there are a bunch of things that happen but this is sort of the resolution of these clones and as such we hop between like waxes and wayne's perspectives as they're fighting their opposites and kind of making jokes at them and i don't know it's it's a great chapter but it is a hard one to get in and get real clinical about versus the other chapters that we've talked about this week so gonna kind of lead with a summary and i'll basically just stop and let you fire off thoughts and we'll kind of go through it that way a little bit different but sure so Wayne attacks Dumod, grappling him to stay close. Dumod is very annoyed by this and tells Wayne to fight Gertruda so that he can face Wax, of course, because they're both very upset about the concept and the prospect of not facing off against the person that they're copying. Wayne holds on to Dumod even as he flies through the air using steel pushes and eventually traces where like he's drawing the power from and where he keeps the flask to eventually nick it later. Dumod manages to latch a set of handcuffs onto one of Wayne's wrists and eventually knocks Wayne off him. But that like keeps its beginning to keep him close what'd you make of the wayne dumod half of the fight to begin with so the the conversation that they have throughout this entire fight actually made the the clones for lack of a better term obsession make a lot more sense to me maybe you could argue that it was a little bit ham-fisted but i really gained a lot of insight into these characters through this conversation. So I can't complain about that too much. I, I appreciate the motivations of Dumad and not, not Gertrude. What's for fucking name? Gertruda. You were close. Gertruda. I was close. Like I, I appreciate their motivations a whole lot more after this back and forth between Dumad and Wayne. It, there, it's flawed still, of course, but at the very least, their obsession made sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that I, I absolutely. This is what like validates them. Before this point, I was kind of like clones, interesting. Why? And then you get the context about autonomy and everything else in this section, and it's the only way that it works. This book does a lot 
very quickly. And that's kind of the the timbre of like a lot of this book after part one is it just sort of takes off and never stops. And so somehow it manages to do good things like fit in these character building moments to fit in some of the best villains of Mistborn so far in some ways. I mean, with Telson and Brown being some of the most fleshed out characters, I still think Straff and Zane make a better pair of villains. But they're, I mean, Telson and crew are right up there with them in my head. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really love this. I love getting the motivation based on autonomy and this idea that like autonomy copying like that's interesting that <laughs> that seems very hypocritical in its own way. But yeah, especially yes. being that it's a focus on individualism and it's it's interesting. It's it's fun to grapple with as a philosophical problem of this shard's intent. Right. Yeah, there's also the joke about wearing hats that I love here. I think this comes a little bit later. I think I'm maybe moving this up in order, but I love the joke about wax and the hat wax and Wayne talking about the hat. And he's like, yeah, your bowler hat. And he's like, it's not a bowler hat. It's a coachman's hat or something like that. Wax talks about how he instinctively wants to shoot a short person wearing a bowler hat or something like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, it definitely gave me the it's a trilby, not a fedora kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Because uh, they're fucking the same. They're not. Basically. I get it. Who gives who gives a shit? But that's the mm-hmm. that's the point. The energy of it is very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think Wax is also intentionally insulting him because this oh, happens sure. at like, a moment it's, after. It's so tongue tongue in cheek. Like it's so. Right. It's so ribbing each other. Mm-hmm. I loved it. it. It was very, very fun. Yeah, because this kind of comes in the middle of combat as like a brief respite where they're like tucked behind a wall, basically like ducking while the others are also recouping and they get to like rib each other as like an elbow nudge before resuming the fight, which again, just makes for like a perfect action sequence that you can imagine in a in a superhero movie, kind of. So, right. Yeah. Feels very very superhero-y so getting over to the other fight moving away from wayne fighting dumad and their conflict wax engages with gertruda eventually using a doorstop and other pieces of metal to repeatedly batter her and break her bones it's it's particularly brutal what he does he's like bashing her in the face and i'm just like i know that you have to do this wax but jesus <laughs> like that's a, that's a lot of course she uses her metal minds to heal herself and wax's attacks show him where her metal minds are he then pulls out and uses a haze killer round to blow her arm off separating her from her source of healing when gertruda comes at him again wax kills her with a shot to the head but he does give her a chance before he blows her arm off to just surrender which i i think is great yeah but then she chooses not to of course and that's her path and she's her, just her bought choice. into the autonomy uh, autonomy train so yeah yeah um i loved i love this scene as well generally that description of the arm being blown off and the amount of blood and how it's like less than you expect like everything about this scene was so visceral but amazing mm-hmm. i loved this i can totally totally and and look forward to but I, I can totally imagine this scene being adapted to the screen. And it's, it's going to be brutal. Fucking brutal, but so good. 
Mm-hmm. I can I, I can imagine it. And like you you know how difficult it is for me to like really put visuals to things. Yeah. But this did a great I'm, job I'm, of it. I'm so with you on that. I think that this is one of the best scenes of of the combat. There's also funny enough she is obviously also imitating Wayne's humor and then is also trying to imitate his darkness. I think at one point during this, which is like, all right, girl, I get it. Like you didn't get it because you're just skin deep and you only see what you, what you hear via secondhand stories or your stalking or whatever else that gets you there. Um, but she, there's this bit where wax is like, is that the best that you can do? Wax said backing away, dodging her strikes, but staying close enough to be inside of the speed bubble. If she made one really, I thought you'd be harder than this. And she replies, stop quoting lines from your wife last night and fight me. <laughs> and it's like, all right, that was a pretty, was good, pretty one. good That was a pretty good <laughs> one, Gertrude. I got to give you that. <laughs> Didn't expect that from Branderson. No, right. This is, again, do I, I'm going to nudge the Jillian Redfern <laughs> stick one more time. Yeah. But it, it felt very Borderlands combat very that's a good point almost like moxie in a way like just as a carrot like as a response sort of thing Mm -hmm. maybe it's not moxie it could be what's her name um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tina tiny tina yeah kind of that sass so all right of course she's dead so wayne locks the free end of the handcuffs onto Dumond's wrist and Dumond uses a Duralamin and hand steel push to send them both flying into the air. Dumond tries to replenish his medals but finds that Wayne has stolen his vial of medals from his pocket. They fall from a great height into a building. Dumond is killed by the fall but Wayne survives due to his own healing the little bit that he had saved up. Wayne almost gets in his great joke but is just cut to just like a second or two short and it's so it's so great. It's like when you see death and then dies it's a perfect perfect beat of comedic timing that joke not having time to be delivered was so fucking good yeah like all of this banter was great but that as the capper to it all was fucking perfect yeah it it was great the uh, the other bit that i really liked here from the fight with Dumod is the fact that he's leeching the abilities constantly and Wayne just has so much fucking bend alloy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he's just like, whatever, more, <laughs> whatever, more. It's great. And so I love that. Love that. And yeah, that joke getting cut short, the entire fight scene, it's just so good. It's such a nice, nice ending here to this. Anything else in the combat that I didn't mention that you wanted to talk about? I feel like we've like, I, I feel like we could really truly go on for a couple hours on the conversation between Dumad and Wayne. Mm-hmm. But we got the major beats and I think that's probably all we really need to talk about. It's just so it's just such a cool dynamic and I am still operating with I feel like I'm operating with limited understanding. Um, sure. And maybe I'm not, maybe I'm operating under the same understanding you are. I don't know yet, but uh, like, I felt so satisfied by this final combat between them. It, it really, I'm happy with the way that this combat resolved. I think I'm with you. I definitely enjoy the way that this all plays out pretty significantly. It's a great chapter. It's the longest one of the week. And I mean, we're covering it pretty quickly. There's one beat that I think that I kind of miss inside of the summary. And it is the idea 
that that Wayne and Wax and Wayne both actually like really revere each other in their own ways, right? Like that's true. In this moment when they're when they're fighting the other person, they're they're kind of like talking each other up as a negging to the other person, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Especially Wayne to uh, I believe he says Wax isn't a complete waste of a person, and that is such a good line yeah, to shoot is. back at this guy. I love that. Mm-hmm. That was super good. Yeah. For sure. It's all great. And it just shows that they genuinely care for each other and that they're, you know, close friends in, in all of this. And like, obviously we didn't doubt that for a moment, but it, it's not something that you always see exposed. You just assume that it's there and you don't talk about it. And it's like, no, he's really important for this reason. So it's wholesome. Mm-hmm. It's great. It is kind of in a, in a way that's being wielded as a joke and a tool against an imitator. So the chapter ends as Wax meets up with Wayne and puts in his hemallergic earring to talk to Harmony. One one other thing here I do want to mention. The body falls through the skylight, which is an important thing to clarify with Dumod in this scene, because it is ultimately the body that we stare at in 66. I just had to clarify yep, that. That's way more important than I a know. lot of people probably think it is for me, right. at least. Yeah, I didn't we, we realize can, that. We can we'll talk, talk about, about that, that once, we, once we hit that in just a minute here. But anyway, it puts the earring in to kind of end the chapter to talk with Harmony. Yeah. Comms on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we get into our final chapter of the week here. Chapter 66. We start with Wax having a conversation with Harmony about doing his part in all of this since Wax is upholding his side of the deal. We get more from him that autonomy won't intervene, but that he can choose to stun Telson, which plays into kind of the end of this that we'll discuss. And only if autonomy chooses to withdraw from her in those moments. He also makes mention during the conversation that other odd things are happening to him. And Harmony says... It's something else, but it didn't work as I'd hoped. What do you what do you think this is? What do you make of the whole bit? What do you make of the ability for Harmony to only intervene in this small way? What's what's rattling around that old brain cage? Like uh, there's just so much. There's just mm-hmm. so much rattling around. I really want to know what's going on first and foremost with the vials that my assumption is directly connected what Harmony's talking about here saying like I, I expected it to go one way, but it went another. Like, mm-hmm. I think that pulls Wayne into the mix. Like, I, I think there's something very specific happening here, and I don't get it yet. Like, I, I know there's something. Fuck. Then there's, like, his ability to affect Telson is dependent upon, like, so so he knows he's able to have this last ditch blinding Mm -hmm. sort of a a stunning effect but understanding that it requires fuck autonomy Mm -hmm. to withdraw from this person at the same time means that like this is a this is a nuke but very very tactical like it's it's a very (laughs) specific like we need to figure out how to get autonomy to want to withdraw and have this be the last straw effectively. Yeah. I, that's totally it. You, you do want this to be the last straw and you want this to be kind of the breaking point. It is, 
I love I love that you use the term tactical nuke to talk about this, especially considering the fact that we are literally dealing with a nuke in theory up until this point. I know. So, yeah, it's very, very intentional. But like, the term tactical yeah. nuke doesn't really have an effective use. Most of no, it, like, right, like, like right. it feels oxymoronic. Totally. In a lot of ways, but like this is the one scenario where it makes sense. Like it is, it is utterly destroying every, like a, a person's being as a means of surgically removing them from the playing field. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I just had a moment of revelation. We'll talk about it in a moment. Yeah, it, it is. I, it is. I think it is totally an oxymoron. I think that that is what is so interesting about that being brought up because it is something that is just so outside of the realm of usual possibility. But also we know from our understanding of harmony, he refuses to intervene in so many circumstances. And so for wax to have pushed him to be like, all right, your fucking turn to do something here is, is a big deal as well. Mm -hmm. And it is a tactical nuke, but it's honestly, I feel like it's unexpected to some degree. For him to have responded this way, to be like, okay, you're right. I need to do something. Mm -hmm. I can't just be idle and stand by. We then move to the confrontation with our villain and talking about the bomb. And this section switches from a combat massacre to Wax, working it all out as a detective. He realizes the bomb isn't here, that this is an empty shell. Wax looks far out into the distance and makes out the class warship that is out there. And he just like recognizes it and that he is very confident that the bomb is there. What did you make of this? I mean, this oh. is a this is a watership, right? Not an airship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They yeah, they talk about yeah, the docks. This, they talk about like all of the other components that go into, you know. That I mean, they talk about do- they never mention water. Like you can have airship docks. I, fair, I just, fair point. It I throws like my prediction me. out a little bit. There's yeah. the Malwish warship. It's described the same way as a as a show of force in a warship God, hovering over right. Ellendale. Uh, not, not fucking wrong, are you? <laughs> so so like <laughs> it's it pushes my prediction off to the wayside. But I feel like my prediction, like the spirit of my guess, is still pretty true. So I, like I I wasn't totally surprised by this reveal. I just expected it to be dropped from a Malwish warship, not mm-hmm. a not launched short range from yeah an aircraft carrier <laughs> effectively i mean do you think that they're launching the rocket or do you think that they're just driving it in they'd have a much better time of it if they can just get within like half a mile of ellendale and like launch from the sea but they did they do reveal over the course of this that like they didn't really have any luck with the development for the most part. Like, but that's for long. Like that. That's like North Korea developing nuclear warheads that can travel eight hundred miles. Like that's not that's not the same thing. You can you can develop much more easily a short range rocket. So like I, I feel like they've they've developed a short range rocket and they're trying to ve- develop a long range one. They're not able to do it, but they have this as a backup. And they can launch it from from like half mile off the off the coast. I, I, I just want to push back against that a little bit. I don't think it's a breaking point for this by any stretch, but 
Wax does literally say the rockets never worked not well enough. And then Telson basically explains that like advanced ballistics were outside of our capability. So I don't I don't know that they ever had any that worked. I can understand that. My my thought is advanced ballistics is long range ballistics. Like that's yeah. that's where I'm going with it. It's also, again, like, I, I think it's logistically. Minutia, but, what are yeah. you going to do? Just bringing a warship? Like, is it a suicide bomb? And you're only going to hit the the coast? Is it big enough that it can like encompass in its radius the entirety of Ellendale? One assumes, yeah, that, okay. that would be my assumption, right? Is like it's it's more than probably what we described to a standard atomic bomb's power Fair. based on the tiny blast that we saw, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I can buy it. I just my yeah. my immediate thought was they hadn't been able to convert the development from short range to long range missiles. Yeah, so they're they're going with short range from sea. That makes sense. For the record, we're at the end of the show, and I'm just now finishing my straight-up main drink, which is crazy. I am a sip away from finishing the, uh, and the I have whiskey like for a finger of whiskey left. <laughs> well, you also had a, a full ice cube in yours. Fair, fair. I did, I did water mine down with ice cube because there's also some overproofs in there that are very strong, so I had to add ice or some water in theory. But okay. Yeah, I mean, the bomb, the bomb, the bomb, the bomb. So did you have any other thoughts about like her side of the conversation as far as it goes with talking about the the weapon or like what she was doing? Do you think she was just stalling? What do you what do you make? She, of the she way felt she... very much like she was stalling, especially considering True. the amount of like shrugs and like stoically looking away that she does. Like it, it felt she knew what she was doing and she knew yeah. it was trying to keep him on the hook as long as possible because the only the sense. only point of like horror or like surprise that she shows is when he just kicks over the fucking like decoy yeah right that's the only time that she's really shocked i think the one thing that i i find both to me is the most bond villain of any of the villains in sort of the mistborn series to some degree but i think one of the things that i don't like about her unlike most bond villains is that she doesn't get her hands dirty almost at all in this series mm-hmm. or rather in this book she does get her hands dirty a little bit in bands of morning with her choice to shoot wax right like that's a big deal but she doesn't at all in this so right. that's my again minor gripe i really like the story i just kind of i kind of and i love her as a villain and i love the the sibling villain thing in this case but i do i've got that like tiny little gripe tiny little one that's fair he's a little guy but just a little guy just a little guy, just a little grab. So there are two more things that I want to talk about to round out the week, but starting this off with a quote here, she thought you'd find it. I think she prefers you to me. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Telson says to uh, wax and Telson's obviously a lot over the course of this week as we see her kind of culmination as the villain of the story and kind of the big deal and sort of this event of defending the tower and this diehard status and we're talking with hans gruber finally confronted she wants wax to give it up believing that she she's kind of lost in the middle of all of this her eyes are glowing deeper red she's getting kind of into this almost trance-like state where she's just reciting these things very reminiscent to me also of what happened to miles hundred lives in the beginning of alloy of law but she's expressing her hatred being pushed to her own emotional red line as it's described or 
spiritual red line perhaps and then wax calls for harmony to cut her off stuns her and she drops to the rooftop which is really just to the ground she just fell she just collapsed she didn't drop really i was so mad i was so upset at the end of this section Mm-hmm. And I would have been had had we not had a conversation about this before we started recording. But I totally, totally and completely thought that this was the end of Telson. And that like immediately when like after this scene, Wax looks down and sees a corpse on the ground at the bottom of the of the tower. I assumed I feel like rightfully so. Like, I don't understand how I understand. Okay. 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 Because of the way we structure this show, I don't immediately go into 67. So I don't know at this point if this corpse is Telson. I assume that it is because we were just talking about Telson dropping to the ground. So, like, I, I was so mad at this being the, and, and disappointed. I guess I was disappointed with this being the climactic end to this villain. But it seems like that is actually not Wax. That's where his fucking name is. I can never remember it. Dumont. Unless I'm, yeah. Dumont. <sighs> There's something more interesting about this now that I'm doubling into it. For the record, I, I'm totally with you on that. I actually legitimately texted you yesterday and I was like, well, there's Telson. And you went, yeah, that was, I, I think I also said that's a little unsatisfying and then, or unclear, I think is the word that I used. And you're like, yeah, it was very unclear because we, we try not to talk about these things off air so that we preserve our feelings to talk about them together. But that was one thing where it was mm-hmm. like, when I finished, I was like, yep, there we are. But then I realized that I was totally wrong as I was reflecting on it this morning, writing the notes for this. I was like, wait, that's not true. And I had to like read and double back. I think that it is. And now I'm thinking about this right now, right? Like I'm just having this revelation in the moment. It is fascinating for wax to be looking down at Dumod, seeing what would have became of him likely if he would have chased the same track track that Telson did. If he would have agreed to join, if he would have gone that path. So that's what I'm realizing. The end of this is more about, is kind of reflecting on that body at the bottom being like this could have been but right, it doesn't for, mean that it's not confusing and that that's not a that's not almost impossible to parse versus the context that's given in the moment for I, the amount of t- ham-fistedness yeah. that branderson has expressed throughout this section he couldn't have at least been a little bit more obtuse in this moment like he could have been a little bit more obvious a mm-hmm. little bit more explicit. Yeah. Like why why is here the point where he wants to be mysterious and and unclear? I get it. That like that's a beautiful commentary. Mm-hmm. It's just like I said, maybe it's a function of the way we structure the show in that like maybe 67 immediately makes it more clear. I don't know. I think I, I- to be perfectly frank, I've talked about this a couple of times. I don't know that I've talked about it during the show, but when I finished reading, I think I texted you and I was like, hmm, I think I meant to include 67 this week, but I didn't want to take away from all the dramatic conversation that happens around the climax because 
not that it's a big spoiler or anything, but we go to Steris's perspective to bring that part of the story back into focus. And it would have okay. been good to have an update on Steris this week. And I kind of feel bummed that we don't, but we'll get yeah. it next week. So we'll as we there. end the book, that said, did you have any other thoughts on this Tulsan comment? Because I have one more thing that I want to talk about. Uh, no, go for it. Okay. So the final bit that I want to talk about, PJ, is we are approaching the end of the book. How does the book end? What's what's your what are your I mean, I know I know for Red Rising, as we talk about like the end of series and even Mistborn, we did kind of like death pools and stuff like that. We didn't even approach that in this one. Just what are it doesn't need to be who lives, who dies. But like, what are your thoughts for how the story culminates? I think this this pullout, so to speak, from. So so I guess assuming that Telson is properly stunned. It means that autonomy has pulled out of her. Okay. And I think that means she's not as directly rooted in this world as she would want to be, which gives Harmony, I think, the opportunity to drive her away. Okay. That's my assumption. Just based on the solemn sort of on looking that Wayne has done, I think we see his demise. I think uh, he he's he's come to this place where he sees these stories that he's been told and recognizes himself as a character that perishes, and I think that's going to manifest. Hmm. Just just based on how he's been, but he saw himself as the villain. You know what I mean. He did. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. He did initially. That's a good oh, point. Hey, yo, hold up one second. I want to return to this prediction. Okay. We've been talking about the prologue and kind of thoughts on the prologue. Blatant Barms is the Mesa, right? Wax yep. or Wayne believes that he is the villain. Blatant Barnes is the villain. The Mesa is confronting yourself. Yeah. And that's Wayne's arc. He's confronting himself. In it, like in that moment, right? So like he's like we're right. approaching the Mesa as this physical thing. It's not a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Fuck. Okay. I didn't expect that to click, <laughs> and it just did yeah. when you were saying that. I was like, oh, the story that connects back here. That makes so much sense yeah. because if the villain is that, and he believes himself to be the villain, then he's facing the villain as himself. Duh. Yeah. Anyway, that's so fair. he kind of clears the story before that point. He anyway, does. I. I I believe it's separate from your predictions, but no, yeah. it's separate. It's separate from my predictions, but it's not. And that yeah. kind of takes away from my feelings of it. So, mm, okay. I don't know. It still, it still feels somber enough that like that could come true. I hope not. I don't want him to die. It just it, like everything moving forward feels like, Wayne's last hurrah to a certain degree. Marisy, I feel like is Ooh, she's a good one. Ghostbloods or no, I think is maybe the question. I think there. she goes Ghostbloods. And no. I, I think she is deep enough within constabulary to understand that her theoretical understanding of politics and lawmaking and law enforcing isn't enough to make you a good person. And this is going to give her the opportunity to go forward in 
a less than official capacity of upholding the law and and not upholding the law, but of keeping people safe in a way that that's more effective. Yeah. I want to just rewind just the smidgest of smidges on what yeah. you said. It's not so much that she's a good it's not that she doesn't think that she's a good person. It's that she could have more good elsewhere, right? Or right. she could do more exactly. good elsewhere. Exactly. Just making sure. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. she has that problem. But yeah, no, yeah. she, I understand she doesn't have that for. problem. Yeah. But but we do see a slip in her. Like, not that she's True. slipping yep. and becoming a bad person, but she is becoming less to the book mm-hmm. constable because she see, she understands that people aren't what they look like in a textbook and and it takes a much more morally gray approach to really be effective in this line of work and she loves what she does but she loves it because of the effect not because of the actual job or the position so i i think the ghost bloods will afford her an opportunity to be exactly what she wants to be and and provide just as much help as she desires to provide to the people, even though it's not in the same official capacity as it would have been as a, as a constable. And that's mm-hmm. only ushered along by the catalyst of being led by Kelsier, her literal religious figure as a child <laughs> <laughs> yes right okay i dig that i think that leaves okay. us with wax and steris and maybe harmony if you've got ideas um um i think wax fully retires and i i think he if he's able to like i i think he removes himself as a senator mm-hmm like, I think he steps down as a senator. I think he steps down in every official capacity. And I think he spends all of his time with with his children and his wife. Assuming autonomy moves out, I think they move to Bilming to be away from the, from the Ellendale influence. Okay. All right. I feel like that encompasses Steris, but do you have other thoughts? It doesn't fully encompass Darius. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't fully encompass her, but it kind of de facto does, right? Like I can't think of. I mean, yeah. What What's the resolution of her arc? Do you think? Like obviously the retirement and like going to Bilming, like that does. But like, what's the what's her culmination at the end of this? Like, what's her impact? Maybe she becomes a consultant of some sort or an author. She she is contracted or what? What's the what's the word? Not hired, but like she's contracted to write policy and and write disaster plans or contingency plans for different scenarios that cities can use as a template for for emergency plans. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Final one. Harmony, I think, unless you've got another one that you want to put on the plate. No, that's that's pretty much everybody. Harmony okay. hopefully he just gets to rest for a while. Like he he has been accused of being impotent for such a long time, but he's been exhausted. 
and he's been worked in a way that like is counter to how he actually is able to function. Yeah, my my hope is that he can just kind of sleep for a bit and and regain some strength. I think it'd be okay. Best so a for god everybody. nap, yeah, like a, a like god a, nap. A god nap. He needs a god nap. A, it's a, it's a god nap. Yeah. Cool. Final final call on this. Just one more, one more final prediction, just because it's fun. Do you have an update on what you think the lost metal is? Friendship. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll take it. <laughs> friends that we made along the way cool all right i won't hold you accountable for that one versus everything else but <laughs> cool all right well pj that's where we end do you have anything else on this week do we have any predictions to uphold interesting so pj's previous predictions we're going to roll into these we've got a couple here that i've kind of let sit for a little bit for various reasons on like finishing episodes and stuff like that and like we didn't really get full answers so i was waiting for full answers in some cases but in this one we're looking at here she also turns in the spikes but requests to retain the trillium one for now given the circumstance with this evil god lurking about and that she's going to bring it to wax for experimentation obviously we end this week on this as one of our many dangling threads but i'd love for you to pick it up what pick at what you think the trillium spike could actually be and what it might do so my answer to this was i think that it can imbue some bit of possession we get the spikes allowing for communication and hearing thoughts from harmony so maybe it takes on a similar ability but for the body rather than the mind i this don't this is interesting go ahead i don't think i'm on it I don't think you're that far off it, though, is the other part. Like, it is Fair. ultimately in the way that we've seen things is like it is a little bit of possession in the end, right? Because like when the driver dies in the car, it is kind of possession. That person seems dead and autonomy is speaking through them because of the spike, we assume. On top of that, it is kind of like a two-way radio. So, you know, but it is it is more the mind than the body. So m- my thing is here, I think I'm willing to cheers and split it because because of that so cheers cheers i think you're 50 percent right and the bits Fair. that you're wrong are fine so broadsheet two any thoughts you pitched these as different thoughts terrorist air editor earthquakes and bilming is the same is this the same broadsheet we were reading in the previous chapter i assume so and alice alamancer jack has a sidekick or had a sidekick with the same pseudo last name as wayne why is this a prediction? Because of the, I marked it because of the earthquakes and building and the relevance to the story that you didn't understand at the time. And then okay. also the missing terrorist editor. So while it is a different editor, is it is one of the editors of that paper of whom replaced the previous one, according to the broadsheets. So we are aware that there are two missing editors from the same broadsheet. So you nailed it without knowing that you nailed it. It's kind of the deal. So I take the drink. Okay. There. I'd, I'd, cheers cool because those predictions were kind of off the wall so i'm I'm down so we don't have a resolution in that one those were the two so Perfect. next week we will pay off the rest of these there aren't that many but we did just do a slew of them to to end this so pj next week is the end of the lost metal the end of era two this is 
going to be fun. It's going to be very interesting. I'm very excited to chat about the whole thing and to finally have it all out there to some degree. Like you'll practically be at the same spot in the Cosmere as at the very least within the Mistborn stories. There's some, you know, tangential things that I can't really talk about, but we'll be fully we were also fully caught up at Bands of Morning, but now we'll be like fully, fully caught up together again. So yeah, <laughs> with the resolution. So yeah, okay. next week we were reading chapters 67 through the final epilogue because there are a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so Just so you're aware. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you as always to Tim and Andrew, our producers for helping us keep our shows lights on. You can check out the links in the show notes where you can find our schedule, our Patreon, our previous episodes, our websites, all of our social media accounts in one very nice, easy, convenient location. Yes. In case you can't find those nice, easy locations, you can also manually search us words, whiskey pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit words and whiskey show at gmail.com, patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey and our t-shirts are presently on T public. I can tell you we did get our first screen print recently and we are running tests now. It's very exciting. So we're beginning the process of converting a lot of those things over. That is kind of the exciting update there to some degree is we're going to own a lot more of the process and a lot of manual love and attention on these shirts. So we're very excited Mm -hmm. for that. In addition to so many other things, PJ, there's so much going on right now in, in our show, in our world. And I love it. There is. And Less than 12 hours, we're going to be recording another episode. Oh, my God. You're. Yeah, it's 11 hours. Motherfucker. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I have to go finish those notes. Cool. We love you very dearly. In case you want to listen to that other episode, by the way, it's going to be talking about Tress and the Emerald Sea or Tress of the Emerald Sea. And we're very excited right. to talk about Secret Project 1 soon. So enjoy. And uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.